Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Justin Kinner, Kevin Nash with you here on a Monday. No, not Monday. It's a Tuesday. It is our Monday, though, technically. Technically. Fast-moving week. Fast-moving week. It was a fast-moving weekend. Dude. Three days are not supposed to go by that quickly. I golfed. Not well, but I golfed. <laughs> I tried out Wendy No. I actually really like that golf course. They just did not like me. Called a high school football game on Friday night. Another good one. We've been fortunate back-to-back weeks of one-possession games that come up to the last possession. Overtime game. Centerville uh, came out over Springfield. So that was a good game. Nice. 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 But bring, bring the energy, Kev. Come on, you're I'm telling trying to me. Think what I did. Like, <laughs> I'm trying to think what I did this weekend. Uh, oh, I cut the grass. Jeez, that's a lot of energy. <laughs> bring it back. No, 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 no. This hey. is the good part. This is the good part. I found a bee's nest forming on the side of my house. No, thank you. So I did like what everybody else would do. They let it be. And no so I told intended. the wife. She said, yo, we got to get that up out of here. It's on the side of the house where our bedroom is. What if they get in and sting us in our sleep? So we go to Walgreens, spend about 30 bucks on bug spray and bee spray and wasp spray. And she gets up there and she chickens out. She was going to spray it. I was going to watch her record it. So why, 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 why are you watching her? Because she said she was going to do it. Husband of the year. Right hey, here, look, man. Did she have to get on a ladder? No. It was like, it's like you just lift your arm, you could have been there. All right. That, that's a little better. So you didn't make your girl get up on a ladder, your wife on a ladder to, to kill she bees. She said she was going to do it, so I was going to let her. And she chickened out and made me do it. Thank goodness I didn't get stung. Bees are gone. Thanks to me. That you know of. That you know see, of. See, see, see. Gra- grass you know. cut and bees gone. Bottom line Where's is... Where's my meadow? It's an, event, it's an eventful weekend <laughs> for you as far as that's concerned. But I hope there's not... I'm actually going to admit I'm wrong on a few things today. Oh! The Browns did something today that I'm going to look at Kevin and say, Kevin, you are right. Because as much... And, and by the way, I'm going to start it off with this. And again, we are we live... Are taping. We are taping. We are taping. We are live <laughs> on 1410 ESPN Radio, streaming live at wingam.com. And of course, we are live on Facebook and YouTube. Search ESPN Dayton's YouTube channel. And then, of course, go to Facebook. Search The Justin Kinner Show on Facebook. And you'll be able to tune in and watch the show every day. Of course, you'll be able to tune uh, comment in the chat section. We're able to pull your comments into the show. Uh, Travco says he loves your t-shirt, by the way, Ken. Oh, easy E. The Easy E shirt. He says yeah. he loves it. Thank so you. So there Thank you go. Uh, so just like that, for those of you watching, you comment in, we'll be able to pull you in. All right, so here's the deal. So the Cleveland Browns. In fact, I do want you to kill this music real quick. Gotcha. Go ahead and kill the music. The Cleveland Browns made some headlines today. No, not the OBJ headlines. We'll get to that in a moment. I mean, we're not going to get into that crap right now, okay? Uh, what? What'd I say? What? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. 
you just if that's the if that's what you were wanting to hear, you just go squat over there for a little bit, and we'll get to to that news. Come what? Go dig what? a hole. Yeah, go dig. Uh, <laughs> man, holy moly! I, I don't. I'm trying to. I've been sitting here all day waiting to get to all these jokes as far as that's concerned. And he plays for the Browns too. It doesn't get. That's why he loves. You know, he loves the the colors of the team, oh. the Cleveland Browns. I mean, OBJ loves that. We'll get into that in a moment. So the Cleveland Browns they extend Kareem Hunt today. They make news for that. That kind of caught me off guard a little bit because not that I mean I've been I've been praising Kareem Hunt for a long. I still think he's one of the top running backs in the National Football League. I don't believe his numbers are always going to show it because he is going to be a split back, of course, with Nick Chubb moving forward. Nick Chubb is the primary back. I think the Cleveland Browns did something today that I believe is kind of a signal. Um, for one, it's a signal to Baker Mayfield, and it's also a signal to uh, to Nick Chubb, in my opinion. Kevin, you know how I am. I'm not a big fan of investing a ton of money into your running back. No matter how good they are, I think that even if you have to lose that you know, all-time talent in the league, I think you could not say easily replace it, but you it's, that's the one position that you can replace the production of easier than any other position in football. It, you, can't, you can't do that with the offensive line. Defensive line's tough. Secondary linebackers, quarterback, obviously. Wide receivers, it's tough to find. You can find talented receivers, but sometimes not always the right fit. Running back, that's the easiest position that you can draft, that you can go to free agency and find. There's running backs everywhere. So it's the one position where I get very critical of when teams invest a lot of money into it. I'm not a big fan of what the Bengals did with Joe Mixon. I understand the need for it, but at the same time, you are paying $12.5 million a year to a guy that the Cleveland Browns are going to get for half of that from two of their backs over the next two seasons. That is pretty good. That's very efficient to the Cleveland Browns for an office. We don't get to compliment them often. I'm going to compliment them today. The Cleveland Browns, again, give a two-year extension to Kareem Hunt. Uh, that'll keep him with the Cleveland Browns through the 2022 season. The Browns are set up to win, in my opinion, with or without Baker Mayfield moving forward, which is what I'll get into coming up here in a moment. But Kareem Hunt will make $16.5 million, Kev, over the next three years. Joe Mixon's going to make $12.5 million per year during that stretch. Kareem Hunt will make $5.5 million a year for 2020, 2021, and 2022. Nick Chubb will make about a little over a million during that same stretch. So, you, again, from your running back position, the Cleveland Browns, I think, are getting way more bang for their buck at about $7 million a year. They are getting Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt for the next three years during the same amount of time and for half the amount of money as what the Cincinnati Bengals paid for in Nick Chubb. Again, I bring them into it because I'm going to get into the Bengals coming up here in just a moment. Not throwing shade. I'm just trying to make an example of for the Bengals who think that they got a good deal with Joe Mixon. This is actually a really, really good deal for the Cleveland Browns as far as the running game is concerned. Now, here's where I'm about to admit I'm semi-wrong. I remember last week we were debating who the top running backs were in the league. I, Nick Chubb, by the way, top five. I will d- debate that forever. But. Again, the more you read into what teams and organizations are looking for, they don't want just guys that are going to be a guy that you just pounded into the line of scrimmage over and over and over. Can you make plays for me in the open field? Can you know? Can you what can you do? What do you bring to our passing game? And not just from a blocking perspective, from from a playmaking perspective. Kareem Hunt, the reason he got paid today, finding this out I thought was interesting. Now look back to last season; he only played the final eight games of the season. Do you know he had eighty combined touches in the final eight games of the season between the air on you know in the air and on the ground. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of touches, considering Absolutely. Nick Chubb, how many carries he had last year, and of course, right there, right, you know, right up there with Derrick Henry of the Titans, as far as total yards, touchdowns, and the impact that he had, as far as all that's concerned. Here's why Nick, or here's why Kareem Hunt got paid today. He spent the majority, if not all, of this offseason, not just with the running backs coach, but with the wide receivers coach. He is, in my opinion, we keep looking at Nick Chubb as the feature back of this Cleveland Browns team, but with the way that football is played today, and me and Kevin have butted heads on this for a while, but I have to just learn to accept it, 
Kareem Hunt is more of what the you know today's running back looks like in the NFL, not the ground and pound, you know, square your shoulders up to the line of scrimmage and hit the ground running. It's a lot of, okay, can you do that? Yes, but what can you do for me as far as the passing game is concerned? Kev, Kareem Hunt has spent all preseason prepping with working twice as hard as everyone else in the team. He is at every running back's meeting, and he is at every wide receiver's meeting. He is going to do it all, and the Browns just got him for $5.5 million a year for the next three or four years, and he is just as good as with some of the top running backs in the National Football League. You just haven't got to see it consistently enough because of his own problems, okay? Right. Self-inflicted wounds. I'm not defending him. All I'm saying is, is that the Cleveland Browns got a steal today, five and a half million for Kareem Hunt for the next three years. And I say this because I do not believe when Nick Chubb's time is coming up to be paid, if he is going to demand top dollar, like what Kamara and some of these other guys are going to be paying, like Derrick Henry and others, I don't think he's going to get it. I think the Cleveland Browns send a message to Nick Chubb saying, you're going to ask for a reasonable amount of money, because if not, well, we got our guy moving forward. Right. I don't know if Nick Chubb is a long-term running back with the Cleveland Browns moving forward. This is going to be an interesting season coming up. But I love the Kareem Hunt signing. They got him for a steal, and I think he will be just as productive as Kamara and some of those other top backs in the league. Good for Cleveland. We don't get to compliment them too often. I do. But, again, every show I'm watching over you know leading into today, everyone is just glowing right now about the steal that the Browns just got and the money. Very surprised that Kareem Hunt agreed to this deal, but that's how much he really looks forward to playing in this Stefanski system, setting up a bigger payday a couple years from from now, that's how confident he is in the Browns' system heading into 2020. So that's another good thing. They got a steal for sure because when he was with KC, he was one of the most explosive backs in the NFL. Um, and they got that steal because of all the situations he got himself into off the field. So they were able to lock him in for a good deal for the Browns and for him, to be honest. You know, it was a both, both are going to be compensated very well. Brown's going to be compensated because he's going to be producing on the field. He's getting compensated money-wise, and maybe you wouldn't have got that on the open market. Um, but you do bring up a great point about Nick Chubb. This does put Nick Chubb in a, a bind once he's up because they're going to say we already paid one running back. We're going to have to go ahead and draft uh, the second running back. We can't pay both of you guys. Now, I'm a proponent for paying guys what their value is and what they produced and everything like that, but you can't pay both of them. There's no way you can pay yeah. both running backs. So they've already made that investment. So Nick Chubb is now or never. You've got a ball out this season and then, you know, hopefully request a trade to somebody else that's going to give you your big payday because the Browns have made it evident they're not going to be paying you because they can't pay you. Yeah, and whatever that market is, uh, is going to be interesting. But uh, Browns fans, I want to hear from you. We're going to open up the phone lines at 457-9464. Also, head to Facebook, search The Justin Kinner Show, uh, and leave your thoughts on the Browns extension for Kareem Hunt and what that means for the Browns moving forward. I think that this is a signal. Uh, look, I, I'm really impressed with what the Browns are doing as far as roster construction is concerned. Now... We can, again, everyone's focused that people love to hate on the Browns, and that's fine, but that's not really what I'm going for here as far as trying to, to, to rile everybody up by talking Browns. If you pay attention to what the Cleveland Browns are doing right now, it makes a ton of sense. There are some teams, Kevin, that build their team strictly around their quarterback and say, we're going to live and die by our, by our quarterback. Mm -hmm. The Buccaneers have done something that I think that the Browns are trying to follow the model of, and that is this. Yes, we hope we have our quarterback in place, but if we don't have our quarterback in place, 
do we have enough weapons that make us an enticing landing spot for some of the top free agent quarterbacks out there? You know, you don't like the Bears. The Bears are in a situation where they put all their money into the defensive side. The Packers put all their money into the defensive side. If Aaron Rodgers leaves Green Bay, of course you have Jordan Love there. But, you know, Nick Foles obviously in Chicago. But if, you know, Trubisky, who was named the starter for Chicago late last week. But if Trubisky and Nick Foles aren't there, free agent quarterbacks, who's lining up to go play in Chicago? Even with that great defense, who's lining up to go play there? Not happening. Green Bay. Take Aaron Rodgers out of Green Bay. What free agent quarterbacks are lining up to go play in Green Bay? Now, it's a good organization, you know, Super Bowl organization. It's a winning organization. But there's no free free agents are lining up to go play in Green Bay with hardly any weapons. Sure, the run game's not terrible, but there's no elite weapons there. So that's where you look at the Buccaneers. Because let's be clear, when I think of the Bears and I think of the Packers, two organizations that I would take hands down any day of the week over the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers are not a fantastic organization. They're not one of your traditional uh, blue bloods of the National Football League. In fact, they're more known for back in the day when they had those ugly, you know, creamsicle color jerseys Cuter. and their fans putting bags over their heads. That's mainly what the Buccaneers are known for. But guess what? You know what? That didn't matter to Tom Brady. Tom Brady didn't care about what the Buccaneers were in the past. Tom Brady cared about who they are now, what they have now. Tom Brady cared about what can I go and accomplish now with this group. And I bring up the Buccaneers because the, the, the Browns are in a very similar spot. Let's say Baker doesn't work out, Kev. Sure, you have Case Keenum, but let's be clear. Keenum is a guy that is going to be the bridge guy between if Baker doesn't work out and who they really want to be the quarterback moving forward, even if it's in the short term. I started looking at some of the contracts for the Cleveland Browns today, and it really kind of to- it, it told a great story, Kev. How about this? Austin Hooper they have through the end of 2022. All right, you have Odell Beckham Jr. through the end of twenty or uh, twenty three. You have Jarvis Landry through twenty two. All right, you have Nick Chubb through twenty two, Kareem Hunt through twenty three. Uh, obviously, and then you know Case Keenum through twenty three, Baker through next season. Everything is leading up to that twenty twenty two twenty twenty three season. You have all of your weapons through there. Right. All right. All the main Austin Hooper through twenty three, OBJ through twenty three, Jarvis through twenty two. Um, but again, I think you know they'll get another. They'll figure that out when that time comes. My point is this: Let's say Baker's not the guy. Let's say that he just totally just flops once again coming up here in 2020. I don't anticipate that. But what the Cleveland Browns have done is they've basically given themselves an out, Kev, because if the Browns fail in 2020, it's on Baker. It's not on the organization. I mean, sure, you could say they shouldn't have drafted him, but Baker was going to be drafted high one way or another, so that's why I'm not always big on, oh, they flopped in that pick. Like for Josh Rosen, for instance, someone was going to take Josh Rosen. Right. Josh Rosen was going to be taken top ten one way or another. I'm not going to – I'm not going to – penalize the team that take it. So that's why I always don't like criticizing teams on their drafts, especially up top. I'm going to criticize you more for who you get or you know, compliment you for who you get later in the draft, but a lot of times we know who the top players are at the top of a draft, and someone's going to take them in that top ten. It's just a matter of who, and it's a matter about what you do with them. So let's say Baker doesn't work out. Well, you still have an enticing package that you're going to be able to go out and lure top quarterbacks in. Now here's some top quarterbacks that are going to be available in the next two years. Guys that there's not a big chance. No one thought Tom Brady was going to Tampa. So don't scoff when I start bringing up these names, please. Just hear me out. Gotcha. Big Ben's available in two years. Big Ben's available in two mm-hmm. years. If Big Ben is saying, hey, I have one more good year left or two more good years left, I would like to go play with an OBJ and a Nick Chubb and a Kareem Hunt and an Austin Hooper. All right? I'm just saying. I doubt that happens, but I'm just saying. 
This is what the Browns have done. It's what the Buccaneers did. Now, they didn't anticipate that Tom Brady would go there, but that ended up being a landing spot. They weren't building around Jameis Winston. They were building around the idea that if Jameis works, great, but if not, we're going to have to find someone else that will come in here and fill the void. Too many teams live and die by their quarterback. The Packers do it with Aaron Rodgers. If they don't have Aaron Rodgers, they have no chance of winning. If the Bears don't have Trubisky or Nick Foles, they have no chance of winning. The Browns, if you don't have Baker Mayfield, I'm not saying you're guaranteed to win, but you have a sexy enough product you're going to be, uh, you're going to be a desirable landing spot for a quarterback out there who wants weapons. Aaron Rodgers is available here in two seasons. You have you have OBJ, you have Jarvis, you have Austin Hooper, you have Chubb and Kareem Hunt throughout that stretch. You mean to tell me Aaron Rodgers, who in Green Bay right now, his biggest complaint is that his team gives him zero offensive weapons. They haven't drafted one offensive. Well, they've drafted one offensive piece since drafting Aaron Rodgers back in the early 2000s. They have drafted only one offensive piece since then, and that is his replacement. Like, that team did not commit to him offensively. The Browns committed to Baker Mayfield. The Browns committed to Baker Mayfield by getting him an OBJ, getting him a Jarvis Landry, getting him an Austin Hooper, getting him, I mean, drafting Nick Chubb, and then getting a Kareem Hunt, and then extending him. So if Baker succeeds, great. He has a core moving forward that he's going to have success for a long time moving forward. If he's not the guy, if you're Aaron Rodgers, sure, it's Cleveland. But you know what? Tom Brady could have said, God, it's the Buccaneers. I mean, Tampa's a little bit more of a sexier landing spot than Cleveland, don't get me wrong. But the team itself, what about Tampa can make Tom Brady feel like he's confident that he can win there? That's not a winning organization. The Browns aren't a winning organization, but these guys have a short window. Aaron Rodgers at the back end here, he's going to want one more shot at a Super Bowl. And if he feels like there's enough weapons in Cleveland, which, again, it's a long shot, I'm just throwing out these ideas that the Buccaneers, Cleveland set up like Tampa, to where if Jameis would have worked out for Tampa, if he throws half of the interceptions he did last year, that's a playoff team. And I'm not saying a Super Bowl contender, but a Super Bowl threat mm. if they're hot enough offensively with the weapons that they have. That's where I'm at with Cleveland right now. Have they committed to Baker? Oh, there's no excuse for Baker at the end of the season, but they also have enough weapons that Case Keenum can get them through next season and prepare them for a quarterback search after that. They're not hitting the reset button. I don't see that at all. If Baker succeeds, great. If he doesn't, great. They are not going to live and die by Baker's success because if he doesn't work out, they will get by with Case Keenum for two more years or a year if they have to and then go get a quarterback that would love to come in and win with these weapons. Tom Brady probably hates Baker Mayfield for not getting it done with the weapons that he has. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers should hate Baker Mayfield for not getting it done with the weapons he has. Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers would have killed for that talent throughout their career. Tom Brady's getting that now at Tampa. Aaron Rodgers still looking for that kind of talent. That's all I'm trying to say as far as that's concerned. That's fair. I mean, you know, you got to look at it from the Browns aspect of, you know, it's a starving organization for some type of winning, yep. any type of winning. We can, you know, talk about Super Bowls later, but, you know, getting to the playoffs, having a playoff run, I mean, you know, everybody was so hyped about going to last season, and it blew up in every Browns fan's face. Um, from coaching, from drop passes to interceptions to fumbles, the only bright spot for the team was the power run game from Nick Chubb. And now they've revamped everything. You know, they're really going to be relying on Nick Chubb. They got a new offensive staff. They got new coordinators. Everything's new about the Browns. The whole NFL circus is in Tampa or in Cincinnati checking out what's going on with Joey B and everything like that. So it's been very quiet out of the Browns. Uh, today is a big news day. Everything involving the Browns from OBJ to the latest signing extension with Kareem Hunt. So 
you know, the season starts. The season starts on Thursday, and then everything really kicks off in full swing on Sunday. And they got their first matchup against the Ravens. And that's not the, the biggest, yeah, that's not the team you want to open up with, uh, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. But I will say this. Regardless of what you think the Browns will be in 2020, I give the Browns front office an A-plus right now for the job that they're doing, Kev, because... We ripped the Packers, and you know I I'm not a fan of how the I know the Steelers they have their way of doing things they they build from within. That's sometimes a scary way of doing things though, because they've been able to find talented receivers and running backs and all that, and they have Super Bowls to go with this. So I'm definitely not saying Cleveland oh they need to follow Cleveland's route, but as a fan. I'm a bigger fan of how Cleveland is going about doing things than I would be as far as Pittsburgh. Now, you're used to how Steelers do things, so you're not concerned. I'm the only reason I'm not a fan of the whole, you know, go, quote-unquote, buy you a championship, you win the offseason. Because I remember when Bruce Smith and Deion Sanders went to the Washington football team. And everybody in their mom was all hyped, like, oh, man, look, now we got the Hall of Fame defensive end. We got a Hall of Fame quarterback. And it blew up in their face. You know why? Because them dudes was old and over the hill. They got one last big payday out of the Washington football team. Kudos to them for getting paid. But I just I just don't believe in, like, that's your go-to line, paying free agents. Now, what Tampa Bay and what the Browns potentially could be setting up are two totally different things between, you know, spending all your money in free agency. They're spending money and building their team through the draft and, and, and things of that nature as well, but their missing piece would be that quarterback position. I mean, you look at Tampa Bay, Mike Evans was drafted there. Uh, the running back was drafted there. The offensive line, the defensive guys are all drafted there. The big free agent piece is the quarterback so it's just a different way of doing it you know you know back when Dion went to the Cowboys he was the free agent piece not the quarterback piece it's just a different way of doing it I, I really don't have a problem with that it's just a matter of fact it can you find that quarterback is that quarterback going to be available who says that you know Big Ben's arm don't fall off this season and he's not available for the Steelers or for a free agency run. Who's they got rid of Duck, uh, Duck, Duck Goose. They got rid of Hodges, by the way, over the weekend. Oh, they picked him up on the oh, practice squad. Oh, the practice squad. squad but Welcome back, Duck. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. I mean, who's to say that? I mean, like, I just think that's a very risky way to try to go about winning games and winning the Super Bowl. Like, going out to get the veteran quarterback that's trying to get one last championship a la Peyton Manning. Like, I think that's far more risky than getting a young guy. No, and, and hear me out. And for those who, who heard it that way, I'm not saying that the Browns front office is sitting down saying, all right, we're going to go after Aaron Rodgers. My point was is that the Buccaneers didn't plan on getting Tom Brady either. Right. It was kind of one of those things. As things started developing in, t- in, in New England. Very organic. They started looking at it like, well, man, we... We do have the weapons that all of a sudden we become a little bit of a lucrative landing spot. Like Tom Brady's not trying to go to, you know, like when they brought up the Dolphins. What what in Miami made you think that, right. outside of the weather, what made you think <laughs> that Tom Brady was going to go there and succeed? Because we all know that Tom Brady, uh, look, you look at, obviously, Jameis Winston, who has less talent than Tom Brady, in my opinion. All right? And Jameis Winston... The talent around him elevated him. That's why he threw all those touchdowns. But again, his deficiency was taking care of the football, had 30-plus interceptions last season. That was his downfall. Tom Brady throws for the same amount of, or has the same amount of passing attempts, same amount of completions, you know, a higher um, completion percentage, by the way, slightly. And yet, 
because he had no weapons around him, the total yardage for him was just off the chart. He still threw for 24 touchdowns. He still threw for 4,000 yards. All right, Jameis only threw for 1,000 more yards than Tom Brady, but we looked at Jameis last year as this offensive juggernaut minus the interceptions, and then that's why they couldn't stick with him. My point is, is that if you look at the Browns, if t- if it doesn't work out with Baker Mayfield, they're not screwed, Kev. Like it's not the end of the world because they could bounce back quickly. They look they're a spot that if you're a quarterback out there that's looking for a spot, you become at least a destination. You become an option. Yeah, now. yeah. It, you know Miami's not an option because they don't have weapons right now. But the Browns would become a destination spot because they have weapons. So that's what I mean as far as that's concerned. They're not living and dying by Baker Mayfield. I hope Baker succeeds, but again. It's not the end of the world in Cleveland if Baker doesn't work out because they have the weapons that, hey, we could still win games. You can win games with Case Keenum. You're not winning a Super Bowl, but you could win games with Case Keenum if it comes down to it. That's as as far as that is concerned moving forward. But the Bears, everything is built around Trubisky having success or not. If he doesn't have success, they are not a landing spot. No one is trying to get to Chicago. Now, you're probably saying no one's trying to get to Cleveland either. It's It's maybe take out the city, but the pieces on the team. No one's trying to get to the talent on Chicago's team. People might be trying to get to the talent on Cleveland's team if you're a quarterback looking for weapons, just the same way Tom Brady was looking to get to Tampa. Tampa's a good, you know, weather-wise. But their organization, you're not going to convince me that that organization is head and shoulders better than Cleveland. They are just as known for synonymously with losing as Cleveland is, except they at least have a Super Bowl to go with it. So there's that. Which that helps everything. So there you go. All right, folks, we're going to talk some more NFL coming up here. Uh, around the corner. So I already admitted I was semi-wrong on one thing. I'll get into what I was wrong about coming up here in a little bit as well. ESPN simulated the entire 2020 football season. Team 10 ESPN Radio. This is the Frost family. They live on a piece of land they call Greeter Pasture. And they work on it behind the wheel of a John Deere 1 Series tractor. With its durable construction and features that hook up to dozens of attachments with ease, no job is too tough. The Frells family runs with us because this is more than just land. It's home. Nothing runs like a deer. Get a 1 Series tractor for just $99 per month at your John Deere dealer today. For additional cost information, please call toll-free 855-633-2315. It's a new season. And it's Sport Clips Haircuts. All of our stylists are clean certified and guy smart. So come in and get yourself back in the game with our legendary MVP experience. It's a mancation with our hot steam towel, relaxing shampoo, and a winning cut. Check in online and walk out with confidence. Sport Clips. It's good to be a guy. And you be stepping out like a pro. Thinking of you. What kinder words could be more meaningful at a time like this? At First Florist and Greenhouses, we know everyone is coping the best they can. And when hugs are not possible, a kind word or gesture can bring comfort and a smile. So today, make that phone call or send a heartfelt note to someone you care about. And if you'd like to send a fresh bouquet of flowers, we can help with that. We're First Florist and Greenhouses at 1306 Troy Street in Dayton, a local family-owned business since 1905. And we're thinking of you. The Justin Kinner Show with Kev Nash. Back to the famous WING Studios. Here's Justin Kinner and Kev Nash. All right, and we are 
are back. Justin Kinner, Kevin Nash with you here on 1410 ESPN Radio. The Cleveland Browns extending Kareem Hunt for two more years. A total of $16.5 million will be paid over the next three years, averaging out to about five and a half mil a year. Uh, and then, of course, you look at the fact that you have Nick Chubb on a rookie contract. I mean, you think about as far as bang for your dollar. Uh, I haven't taken, I haven't paid attention to, you know, as far as total running back revenue, uh, total running back spending around the National Football League. But, Kev, I, I would like, I think I'm going to go out on the limb and say I highly doubt that anyone out there has more bang for their buck than the Browns do with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. You have Nick Chubb on a rookie deal making about a little over a million a year, Nick Chubb, and then Kareem Hunt at $5.5 million. You're getting all that for about $7 million a year. And then you've got teams like the Bengals spending $12.5 million on Joe Mixon. And again, by the way, if roles are reversed, and that's the only, I mean, but this is why, and this is a, I know this is a stretch, but over the weekend, Adrian Peterson, who was released by the Washington football team, mm-hmm. signed with the Lions. Right. He signed with the Lions for a million dollar hairs. Okay, for one year. Uh, I got lit up on Friday because I said, look, I think the Cincinnati Bengals should at least kick the tires on potentially looking at Adrian Peterson. Every Bengals fan in the world called me every name that you could imagine in the book. And I'm like, it was just a suggestion. I, I, I wasn't even, I say meaner, I, that wasn't even mean. I, I, I rip the Bengals all the time and get less pushback for that. So I was really um, confused as to why that triggered so many people because uh, someone says Adrian Peterson is older than my dad. Look, if you think that I'm suggesting Adrian Peterson because I think he's going to come in and save the day, and unless your dad can still go in and nearly rush for thousand yards a season which adrian peterson was doing apparently when he wasn't in a wheelchair according to this guy at the retirement home i don't know what else i'm telling all i'm saying is is you want to put veterans around your rookie quarterback that's one way to do it joe mixon a veteran i have no you know what's wrong with that and uh for a million a year adding peterson in there as far as that's concerned but nonetheless not the end of the world the bengals i'm laughing at them every day of the week anyway so that just gave me something else to laugh at if he can go to the lions uh you know so there you go he played for the Lions. no th- no, no that was uh reggie bush that we we're talking about i don't the get the lions for him i just don't get it they drafted deandre swift they got carry on johnson as well i just don't get it i don't get to the fit there uh I, he's not gonna get the touches that he's thinking he's gonna get at least in my mind i mean yeah. they already got two young running backs ahead of him I just don't get it, but hey, man. And I'm surprised he went there. And that, that's my that's my whole thing. Like, why would you go there? Like, like I agree with you with the Bengals thing. Like, you can get to the Bengals. You can get at least like you know anywhere between five and ten touches a game. I don't think there's a way you can get any touches with the Lions. They are got two running backs already. I think he just wanted paid. I think he wanted paid. And he probably, no one else was probably willing over to fork over a million. But my whole point about the, the Peterson to Cincinnati thing was this. You know, that, that offensive line's questionable. And if we know what strengths Joe Mixon brings to the table, he did not have a great year last year. It wasn't a bad year, by the way. You look at the numbers, and it's like when you hear people say he ha- didn't have as good a year as he did the year before, still a 1,000-yard guy. He had a fine year last year. Like, I'm not bashing on Joe Mixon. All I'm saying is, is you know, any weapons you could provide that offense right now on the cheap, you got to do it. But if you look around the National Football League, the two running back, like two good running backs, you know, approach is really what everyone's doing, which is why I would not have, I would have been a little more aggressive with that if I was the Bengals, mainly because Adrian Peterson would not be used the way you'd use Joe Mixon. I'm looking at that as a, an approach like what we're talking about with the Browns, Kevin, where Nick Chubb's going to take care of the heavy lifting as far as taking the pounding running, you know, into the line of scrimmage. Kareem Hunt's capable of doing that too, but he's going to make an impact as far as what he's able to do through the passing game, and that's where Joe Mixon could have come into play as far as that's concerned. You know, you Adrian Peterson, he's a rental. You know what happens when you drive a rental? You don't take care of that rental as much as you would your own car. If you only have Adrian Peterson for a year, 
Give him the pounding. While you're testing out that offensive line, let him go get beat up at the line of scrimmage while Joe Mixon takes care uh, you know, the, you know, of the contributions as far as the passing game is concerned. Anyways, it's over with. He's with the Lions. That's all I was trying to say as far as that over the weekend. I was not impressed with the fit, though. I thought he would, you know, everyone kept saying he'd end up in Dallas. Going to Detroit, like you said, Kev, makes no sense. It had to have been a financial thing. They were probably willing to offer him more money than anyone else. But, man, the Lions, they're just a joke. They're, they're just that, that franchise. Oh, Pam. Now, that franchise is just strange. The decisions they make don't make any sense as far as that's concerned. We'll see. You know, AP also, he had a cup of coffee with the Saints. And they cut him very quick at because of the emergence of uh, Alvin Kamara. Yep, and by the way, they're close to they're closing in on the deal as well. Big time playmaker, man. Big time playmaker. Kamara's a big time playmaker. I mean, not only in the running game but in the passing game, and being that threat opens up the passing game for others, and that's what the Browns are betting on Kareem Hunt doing. Uh, Shaw says uh, maybe Mixon didn't want a guy like AP on the team. Mixon wants to be the guy. Uh, maybe Shaw, but the thing is, like. There's no way in hell that Peterson was coming in to be the guy, even if it was for one year. I was, I'm was, i talking about in terms of like a complimentary back. Like, right. you know, Mixon's the guy. That's all I was trying Take to do. Take a you series know, yeah. off, let you get your win, yeah. and you close it out. Like, But Bernard or whoever, you know, that's, nah, that's what you're going to get it done. Yeah, that's man. what you're going to roll with. More power to you. Like, uh, Giovanni Bernard is a toy. You know, he's a guy that can be used in the swing, passing game, and screen game like that. But you're not running Giovanni Bernard between the tackles. He's just basically like Chris Thompson was when he was with the Washington football team. He was basically a receiver out the backfield, yep. you know, like a theoretical. He was with the Lions and everything like that. You're not using Giovanni Bernard between the tackles. Fourth and one, you're going to give it a Gio? No, you're not. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. Tim uh, Haberstrow on Facebook says uh, he's cruising down the street in a 64. So there's that. <laughs> Salute. I mean, you know, got to do what you got to do uh, as far as that's concerned. But regardless, we are week one. Week one of the NFL season, and we're going to get a chance to see the Browns and the Bengals coming up later on this weekend. And I'm just glad that we're able to, you know, we've, we've done all the talking for the Browns and Bengals we could do. I've taken all the shots <laughs> at the Bengals organization that I can. Oh, you got a lot of I, I, I've defended the Browns about as much as I can. I can't defend the OBJ stuff from earlier today. That's a little, you know. Uh, Are we but, going there? Uh, no. I mean, we're going to save our we're going to save our crappy topics for later on in the show. <laughs> You set me up. You set me up. I had no choice. I had no choice. Man, that stinks. But anyways, <laughs> what? No. For those who don't understand what we're talking about, you will. Or if you want, just go search OBJ on Twitter and you'll understand what we're talking about. But uh, well, that's a mess. Uh, Don says, uh, don't let the Lions... Uh, don't the Lions have like six running backs? Isn't that a lot? I'm sure. Um, I'm sh- I'm not sure what is normal for a run. No, Don, that's what uh, Kev was just saying. Like it didn't make any sense for him to go there, but it didn't make sense for him to go there. But they gave him a million dollars for one year. Good I don't for him. <laughs> you know, you know, he he tried to give this speech about oh, I, you know, I just want to go and help it. You know, help. You know, kind of lead a team and teach a team. No, you don't. You just want that money. I'm surprised, though. He didn't chase a ring somewhere. But that's because the Buccaneers have basically absorbed every piece of talent right. out there. Um, the Saints are about to get Alvin Kamara, you know, and lock him up long term. And, you know, the Ravens wouldn't have made any sense. They just got Dobbins. So who knows? But bottom line is, I thought that was interesting over the weekend. Also, how about the Cardinals? The Cardinals uh, wrapping up a deal right now uh, to make Hopkins one of the highest paid wide receivers Ooh, in football. $54 million. Big money. Uh, and I'm trying to get some more details on this. I'm opening this up now just to kind of see. Uh, yeah, but uh, DeAndre Hopkins has a deal with the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, they have their star wide receiver for the res- foreseeable future. 
he's going to get $42.5 million guaranteed. Guaranteed. Through the 2024 season, it's a $94 million total deal. I love it. I love it. I love seeing people get paid, man. I he's going to be making $18.5 million a year. That's crazy numbers for a wide receiver. And they said he's likely to be the heir apparent to Larry Fitzgerald. I mean, that's not likely. I mean, that that's what's going on here. Right, definitely. I mean, you look at the weapons Kyler Murray now has. He has, obviously, DeAndre Hopkins, the Hall of Famer, Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk from people maybe not remember, but he was a super baller at Texas A&M. Got him in the slot. Also got um, um, Kenyon Drake from Alabama out the backfield, who's also a good receiver out the backfield. You know, it's kind of like you said – Load, load your young quarterback up with weapons and see what happens. And they're definitely got a lot of weapons for him, man. So we're going to see what happens. Uh, Ron Moreland says, uh, the Bengals need Peterson as much as the Browns need Baker Mayfield. Hey, what's up with OJB? I don't know what's up with OJB, Ron, but uh, OBJ? I don't know. He's found himself in a smelly situation, so we'll keep our eye on that uh, as far as that's concerned. But, uh, yeah, uh, Don goes on to say on Facebook again, taking your reaction on social media on Facebook right now. I'm not sure if Kevin talked about this since I came on late. His thought on the release of Duck, Duck, Goose uh, and picking up Dobbs. So there you go. Uh, you know what? I really about the Steelers, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would have preferred uh, Duck Hodges if um – any Steeler fan watched the season last year play out. Obviously, they were hampered because of the lack of quarterback play from Mason Rudolph, who I am not a fan of at all. Um, I think they need to go ahead and dump him and keep Duck as the backup and uh, Dobbins, uh, Dobbs from Tennessee as the third guy because just the ability of Duck to move the pocket, to actually try to run for a first down, to actually make a pass that a wide receiver could catch. You know, that helps. So, you know, I was all about trying to get Jalen Hurts in the draft, like in the second round, you know, to be the heir apparent. But for some strange reason, my Pittsburgh Steelers love Mason Rudolph to be the next quarterback of the franchise, which I don't see. Um, all the great things that I'm the Steelers do. <laughs> all the great things that Steelers do in the draft and everything they do in player development, this guy ain't got it. And I hope he proves me wrong. I pray he proves me wrong because we know the Steelers not going to get rid of him. I hope they prove me wrong, but I just don't see it. I'm glad Duck is on the practice squad because if something happens to Big Ben again, he will be the starter because Mason Rudolph stinks. We're not talking OBJ right now. (laughs) What? I just walked into that. I just stepped in that. Yeah. I mean, you squatted (laughs) right into that one. All right, four five seven nine four six four. That's the number to call into the show. We'll go ahead and take some of your calls uh, coming up here uh, in just a few moments. But again, we opened up talking about the huge extension for the Browns and Kareem Hunt. And as I mentioned, I think the Kareem Hunt extension uh, is it's it's not. It's not a good like I look at Nick Chubb like I always looked at Nick Chubb obviously Nick Chubb's a featured back with Kareem Hunt being you know a complimentary piece to the run game but I think the Browns today made it very clear that hey they value Nick Chubb don't get me wrong um, but I think that Kareem Hunt brings a little bit more to the table as far as some of the things that I'm not a big fan of that Kevin has talked about throughout the week uh, you know in in regards to he brings more to the game and then just what he could do with his legs. I mean, it's what he could do with his hands in the passing game. One thing I found very interesting about Kareem Hunt throughout this preseason is the fact that he has worked harder than pretty much anyone else on the team because he is, you know, for one, with COVID, you have your running backs and your quarterbacks, you have your different positions reporting to camp at different times of the day because they don't want everyone there at the same time. So with that being said, you have Kareem Hunt, who is reporting for all the running back camps 
and then all the wide receiver camps and all the meetings. Like, he's working twice as hard as everybody else. That, to me, shows that the Browns are looking at Kareem Hunt long-term uh, as having a little bit more value than Nick Chubb. And who's to say that they don't get a deal done with Chubb when that time comes at the end of this coming-up season? But I do believe that by getting the deal done with Kareem Hunt now, it gives the Browns leverage when dealing with Nick Chubb, saying, hey, we want you, we really want you, you're a hell of a talent, we don't need you. If you leave us, well, you're not leaving us high and dry, we got Kareem Hunt. So it's not the. So I do believe that the Kareem Hunt deal does give the Browns leverage when that time does come, because the running back, is it's just backloaded like you would not believe as far as next year's free agent class is concerned. Some of those names are being taken off, though. Like, mm-hmm. Kamara is about to be taken off that yep. list. Chubb is going to be on that list now as far um, as that's concerned. Uh, Mixon's going to be taken off that list, so it's going to be interesting as far as that's concerned moving forward. Uh, we have time for a call. Let's go to uh, Charlie. Charlie, what's up, man? How are you? Justin, look, you know what? I remember last football season thinking that I didn't really... I was like, I don't know about Justin. But then during the off season. You had this great, logical mind, okay? And now I'm starting to remember why I was at odds with you. (laughs) Ah, here we go. You were doing so good. I thought we were going somewhere. Your logical brain went to sleep, and your emotional brain woke up. And now you're saying that Kareem Hunt is some amazing steal, and because you love the Browns so much, you just are just everything, like... It's just like the stuff with Jabril Peppers and Odell Beckham and how amazing Odell is, and you are his number one fan. But uh, you think that the Browns have set a team up that is just going to attract free agent quarterback? And what are you doing with Baker? You're just already you're just counting Baker Mayfield out right now. No, That's- I'm not. What I said was is that the Browns have prepared themselves for life with or without Baker Mayfield. Too no, many teams. Haven't. Too many. What do you mean? Because if they don't have, have Baker Mayfield, good, Case Keenum is capable of winning offense. with this group. Say that again. You have one. You have one star on your offense, and he's not paid. It is Nick Chubb. Everyone else is has beens or are not gonna bees. And then, and you're not going to get anybody to come in there and play quarterback because it's still Cleveland. It's dysfunctional. They, they Tampa was considered them. dysfunctional. Tampa is not. I mean, yes, they do have a Super Bowl in the last what, in the, at least in the last two decades. But Tampa is a joke of an organization too. And outside of at least the destination of where they're located, that's not a landing spot too. And they got possibly the greatest quarterback of all time lured over there because why? They had talent. It's not a great organization, but they had talent. Well, he had to land somewhere, and I don't. I'm not, <laughs> okay. I'm not okay. I'm not okay with the Leonard Fournette signing. It's the same thing with Odell Beckham, and and like, that I price think, they got him for the cheap. Yeah, but Cleveland, Cleveland was going in such a good direction. You get rid of Duke Johnson, get rid of Jabril Peppers, guys that you drafted and who are great players, and you start bringing in these guys who are inflated egos. First of all, Jabril Peppers. Was and a bust. Like never lived up to anything. Peterson because we don't have good running backs. Is that what you're saying? Say that again. Did we lose him? Apparently. I never said the Bengals don't have good running backs. They have a, a top 10 running back in Joe Mixon, obviously. Um, but, again, if you look at the teams that win around the National Football League, it's not just one running back. They have a strong running game as a whole. And they have that with Mixon. And, besides, I was only suggesting that they get Peterson because you, you could have got him for cheap. Why are Bengals fans? And, again, it's my fault because I do nothing but take shots at the Bengals. But when I do have a genuine suggestion for the Bengals, it's always, take that, it's always taken as a slight. And I don't get that. I don't get that. It's, it's because you're not a Patriots fan. You can't take jazz like that. Your team's garbage. Uh, never, I'm just going to remain calm. Jazz, it's my first day jazz, back after a three-day weekend. Can take, 
Kev can take jabs because he's a Steelers fan. <laughs> and look at what the look at what the Steelers and the Patriots are doing this year. What? Look at what they're doing. They're just hanging back. They're hanging back. They, the Steelers could have brought a quarterback in. You know, it's like, yeah, the Patriots were they did. They had Jabba the Hutt that they brought in at one point, and then he <laughs> lost a little bit of weight and shaved his beard. Ooh, yeah, keep that the, same energy. Good, good teams are not desperate. They're, they know what's going on. They see the situation. Desperate's but, going after Cam Newton if you're the Patriots gonna, then. Aaron Rodgers is never coming to Cleveland. Tom Brady was never going to Tampa. If Tampa Bay's they got Bruce Arians, they got a built team. You okay. don't have you. Uh, you brought in these free agents that are names. These aren't good players. Jarvis Landry is good. That's the one good free agent you got. Look, I, I you, today is not the day for me to defend OBJ because I'm not going to touch that. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm just not going there with OBJ today. Um, but uh, you know, bottom line is, is this roster has talent all over it. I've no clue. The only reason that the Browns get ripped as much as they do is because they lost last year with talent. The only ones, no, the Browns aren't being talked about if they're losing with bum players, Charlie. They lost with. Talent. That's why they're being talked about. That's why the Reds are a disgrace in baseball because they have talent and they're losing with talent. That's what happens. All right. When bad teams lose with bad players, no one talks about them. That's why we didn't talk about the Bengals until it was draft time last year. Well, do we play? Do we play week two? Is that Bengals? We play a seventeenth. It's coming up around the corner. Seventeenth, eighteenth, or something like that. Oh, yeah, you think I'm obnoxious now, Charlie? Here we go, brownies, baby. I hope you block my number that following Monday. Well, I hope you call in that following Monday. But, Charlie, we're out, man. We're out. You do got a fan right now. Uh, David says that you are bringing the facts. And, uh, I mean, you know, it's like, the, the, it's the alternative the facts that we've heard so much about. The Bengals are building a culture. The Browns are building a circus. Have a good one. <laughs> you can't just hang up with Charlie after that. He left you. He did one of these. Oh, it was a mic drop. Good for Charlie. You can tell the football season's here, baby. People are bringing it. They're bringing it. We'll keep bringing it. By the way, you see The Rock got COVID-19. Yeah. You know how they found out? No. They couldn't smell what The Rock was oh. cooking anymore. We'll be back in a moment. Goodness. <laughs> Give your home lasting protection with low-maintenance vinyl siding from Menards and get 11% off. Cedar Creek Vinyl Siding offers exceptional value. Or step up to thicker Harbor Ridge or Timbercrest Premium Vinyl Siding or get the ultimate with Super... He's a former Buckeyes great and now a college football Hall of Famer. And don't forget about his 13th live here on ESPN Dayton. Everybody, welcome back. Hour two, Justin Kenner, Kev Nash with you here on a Tuesday. First day of the work week for everybody. I hope everyone enjoyed their Labor Day. Monday off, I spent it on the golf course with mine and me and Nora have been together eight years, so we went hey. out for dinner last night. So looking forward to that. Off all next week. Uh oh. We're going to Florida for the week. So uh uh-oh. home at Arona. Yep. Mask it up, baby. Or fit in with the locals and don't. I mean, whatever. <laughs> Are there any locals actually in Florida? Retirees. <laughs> Well, looking forward to next week. Looking forward to this week as we head into week one of the National Football League season. Thursday night, uh, we'll get our first taste of the National Football League here during this COVID-2020 season. You have the, uh, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs defending Super Bowl champions going up against the Houston Texans. Now, the two highest-paid quarterbacks of all time going head-to-head, Deshaun Watson and, of course, Patrick Mahomes. How about Deshaun Watson getting paid over the weekend as we talked about in the first hour? 
the Texans, that organization's a little strange. I'm not a big fan of their coach, but good for them, Kevin. Good for them for being willing to fork over the money before it even got to the negotiations phase. I mean, I didn't even know that they were at that point yet where they were ready to sit down and start talking money, but it is sometimes good, like in good faith. I do believe it's one of those situations where, okay, you've lost a lot of talent. You've lost Jadavion Kalani. You've lost you know, Hopkins, who just signed a massive deal uh, with the Cardinals already. So I think it's one of those where we're investing in you. I know it may not seem like it. We've lost some key pieces, but we want to build around you. And I think that's kind of what makes them impressive. I think that's what really what separates Dak Prescott and Deshaun Watson is that Deshaun Watson has had more success with less talent. And you look at Dak Prescott, who continues to underachieve, although his numbers are solid, but the team underachieves with the talent that it has. I don't know if it's all on Dak Prescott, but he is going to get the brunt of the decision-making for the future. Because if the Cowboys are, I mean, how the Cowboys missed the playoffs last year is beyond me. Yes, that was horrible. Dak Prescott, I do believe the second his money went down the drain, Kev, was the game that they got shut out against the Eagles late in the season. Shut out. <laughs> like, and you threw for 30 touchdowns. You had 4,000 plus yards on the season. He had a fantastic, it was his best statistical season yet. But you got shut out, and he played horrible in the big games. That's the thing, too. He just doesn't bring it against the playoff teams. That's the problem. There's just so much uncertainty with Dak Prescott. Is he the next big, you know, is he the next quarterback to get a big payday, or is that one being saved up for Lamar Jackson? Woo! Lamar Jackson's going to get paid before he does. Uh, Dak will get franchised again when this next offseason. Yeah, he'll make $37 million. If he gets franchised, like he's making $34 million this year, which he's making $4 million more than what the Cowboys offered him as far as $30 million a year moving right. forward. If he gets franchised again, he'll be making $37 million, $3 million a season less, or $3 million less that year than what Deshaun Watson's going to be making. I mean, if that's it's not that bad. I mean, my <laughs> not, goodness, not a bad deal, right? I mean, you want that long-term security? I get it. I mean, it's the same route that Kirk Cousins went. He got franchised twice with the Washington Football Who team. Who else? There's another one. There's Kirk Cousins. Who else got franchised like that? That's a good There's play. two, and I just saw it earlier today, and it's driving me nuts. But regardless, we've seen it happen on a few occasions. Um, but Kirk Cousins was obviously. Um, the most recent one, as far as that is concerned. And by the way, he never extended with his old with his team. You know, right. he ended up moving on. And I think Dak Prescott can move on. Dak Prescott, we talked about the Browns earlier. He could be hitting the free agent market here at the end of next season. And if Baker Mayfield, of course, at the end of this coming up season, if Baker Mayfield doesn't play well and Dak hits the free agent market, remember what I talked about earlier. You have the weapons to be able to be a suitor out on the free agent market. That's all I was trying to say earlier. Of course that. That spurred a whole bunch. I don't think that's where that's heading, Kev. All I'm saying is, is would that be funny? Yeah, <laughs> he'll just keep following you. Yeah, <laughs> I yep. want that to happen just because of that. So my point earlier was, is that the Cleveland Browns are set up for long-term success with or without Baker Mayfield. And it's interesting because if the Cleveland Browns end up, you know, winning with Baker Mayfield, then great. Then they're set up. They have other core, their whole core nucleus is in place moving forward. You have your tight end through 2023. You have your star wide receivers through 2023. You have your running game set through 2023. Your offensive line set for a few years as well. The offensive side of the ball is well taken care of. It, hell, they even took care of Miles Garrett this past offseason, making him for at least four months the highest paid pass rusher in the National Football League before the Chiefs stepped in and, and paid their guy. Um, so as far as that's concerned, uh, that, that's how it's looked at there. But as I mentioned earlier, you know, if Baker Mayfield doesn't succeed, it's not like the Browns' chances of winning go down the drain because they have enough talent that if they had to go and hit the free agent market, 
there could be some quarterbacks that look at that and say, okay, it's not the the greatest destination city to end up in, but man, there's not a lot. There's not going to be a lot of teams out there that have as many weapons as what the Browns could potentially provide, if that is uh, the case. Uh, Ron says, uh, you know, Hayfield will never see a big payday. Ron, you know what? I can't wait for when your stupid Buccaneers team only wins like seven games this year, so that you'll be quiet about all this crap because you are such a hypocrite, Ron. You're the biggest hypocrite of everyone on this Facebook page right now. You did nothing but tell me last year it doesn't matter about how much talent they have because until you see it on the field, it doesn't matter. But yet here you are hoisting the Super Bowl trophy. And your team hasn't done a thing there. FCC approved. You don't have to reach for the phone, Kev. We're good. We're good. Uh, but no. But that's where we're at. Four five seven nine four six four. Browns Bengals kick off the season coming up later on this week. Of course, the Browns have their hands full as they have Lamar Jackson and the Ravens to kick off the season coming up one o'clock on Sunday. Kevin, let's talk about that next big pay that you talked about. Lamar Jackson. Well, Let's say they have a big year, 13-3, and 12-4, and four, whatever the Ravens' season is, and they lay an egg in the first round of the playoffs again. Mm-hmm. That's where I see a holdup on a big-time contract like that being made. He'll get paid. He'll get a good contract. I don't think he'll be – I still don't think Lamar gets paid in the, the Patrick Mahomes level unless all of a sudden he gets to an AFC championship game coming up. If you see Lamar versus Patrick Mahomes in the AFC title game coming up later on in the playoffs – that's the best-case scenario for Lamar Jackson as far as that's concerned. But if he lays another egg in the first round of the playoffs for the third straight season, that's kind of like it's kind of like we're seeing with Giannis right now in the NBA playoffs as far as basketball is concerned. Giannis was this new toy on the block. It, you know what I mean? It wasn't the Kevin Durant. It wasn't the LeBron James. It wasn't the Steph Curry that we've been talking about for so long. All of a sudden, there's this new shiny toy, Giannis Antetokounmpo. He wins back-to-back MVPs, but it looks like he's about to be knocked out of the playoffs again after being the favorite in the Eastern Conference. And eventually, that narrative, it, it washes away what you accomplish on the floor. Like, it washes away your MVPs. It washes away everything because it's like, well, what good's with being a multi-time MVP if you can't win in the playoffs and ultimately, you know, contend for championships? That's going to be the case for Lamar. Lamar can lead the league in rushing. He can be top three in total touchdown passes on the year. He can throw for over 4,000 yards. But, Kevin, if he gets knocked out in the first round of the playoffs again, that could be a problem and something that starts to haunt him moving forward. Yeah, that's that's a sticky situation for the Ravens. I mean, there's a lot of pressure on them. Not for the regular season, but for just winning one playoff game. And and that's something that happens in sports. You know, the pressure starts to mount. I mean, everybody was all, like you said, in love with Giannis. I mean, we can think back to LeBron James in his first run with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Everybody loved LeBron James. Everybody was loving LeBron James until, you know what, hey, man, how, how come he hasn't won anything? It just it happens out of nowhere. You know, you can take your team to the finals and lose to the Spurs. But then that next season, like, all right. At least make it back to the finals, and yeah. you don't. And then, are right, you keep running to the roadblock? That's the Celtics. And then, everything just hits the fan. Like he he just wants out of there because the pressure starts to mount. And then he's not only himself starts to look at the clock ticking. Like, well, I gotta win. I gotta get up out of here. And that's the same thing happens in the NFL where guys start to feel that pressure once the playoff time hits because you know it's all fun and games in September and October when you're running away from you know the Steelers and the Bengals and everything like that it's all fun and games but then when you're that prime time game on a Saturday night during the playoff season all eyes are on you and you flame out now the first one I don't necessarily consider a flame out this last one yes like they were the favorite to go to the Super Bowl coming out of the AFC and they didn't perform. Not only he didn't perform, the team didn't perform. Um, once 
Mark Ingram went down. The running game went kaputsville. You got receivers dropping passes. Then you got Lamar trying to force the issue. Starts turning the ball over. Like in a one-off, it's just like the NCAA tournament. You could be the big, bad guy on the block. I mean, we remember when Duke lost to Lehigh and C.J. McCullough. You, you, you the big dog on the block, and you start to momentum starts to go to the other team in a playoff setting. You could see it happening. You could see these things start to happen. So, you know, that's like the one saving grace that I have uh, for my Steelers this year to potentially win the AFC North is maybe they're not worried about the regular season. Maybe they're focused on the postseason too much if we can sneak in there and win the division. All right, four five seven nine four six four. You know, we'll get, we'll get to your calls now. Who do we have on hold, Cap? We have James on the line. James, what's up, man? Welcome in. Justin, it's a good day, and let me tell you why it's a good day. The Browns just signed somebody at the same position the Bengals did that is better and for cheaper. The beginning of the season, got to talk this crap. Bengals, you guys suck. Zach Taylor, you're in over your head. <laughs> it is week one, and I love it. James Go Browns. Woo, woo. <laughs> Thank you for the call, James. I appreciate that. Uh, so, James, coming in with the heat. I like I like that call from James because James nailed it on the head. This is one of the points I made earlier in the, in the, in this in the in the show. Come on, Justin, talk. Um, I talked about there is no team in the NFL that has gotten more bang for their buck than the Cleveland Browns as far as the running back position is concerned. You locked up Kareem Hunt for the next three years for $16 million, Kev, uh, and you're only going to be paying him $5.5 million a year. You have Nick Chubb for two more years on a rookie deal. He's going to be making about a million a year. So, in essence, you are, pro- I mean, for the Bengals who are bragging about what they got with Joe Mixon, for $12.5 million, you are going to be getting two running backs who are equally as good, if not better, and you're going to have two of them on your roster for half the price. How do you get two running backs who are equally as good, if not better, on one roster for half the price as what the Bengals were dumb enough to pay for Joe Mixon for one full at 12 and a half? That, that, that doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Joe Mixon provides a good comfort blanket as far as that's concerned for Burrow early on, but that money could have easily been distributed elsewhere. Running backs are the easiest position to be able to replace, and I thought that the Bengals jumped the gun on paying him his money. I give the Browns credit. They don't say that too often, but I give them credit for jumping the gun when it comes to that because, and Kevin phone's going, uh, and you know, jumping on that and, and saying, hey, you know what, the running back position as far as that's concerned, that they gave Kareem Hunt the money before Nick Chubb. And Nick Chubb's the better back. I mean, we're talking about Nick Chubb being top five back in the National Football League, and Kareem Hunt ends up getting paid before Nick Chubb. I still think, before it's all said and done, that Nick Chubb ultimately does not get his money. Um, I think that the Browns are going to use the Kareem Hunt situation as leverage and say, hey, you know what? We're at a point now where, Nick Chubb, you could demand all this top dollar all you want, but we're not going to put that much money into the running back position, especially when we have Kareem Hunt, who is just as good, if not better, and we have him for half the price. I think that's kind of where we're at as far as that is concerned. Let's go back to the phones with Doug. Doug, welcome in. How are you? I'm doing good. Enjoy you guys. Thank you. Hey, uh, wanted to ask um, about the Steelers. Uh, if Ben goes down or doesn't have a good uh, start, or who's their backup, and who do you think their um, quarterback for him uh, the future is if, uh, once he's gone? Uh, the backup, unfortunately, <laughs> for all us Steeler fans, is Mason Rudolph again. Um, and apparently the Steelers are putting all their faith into Mason Rudolph because they didn't draft a quarterback last year. Okay. Are and, you a Steelers uh, fan? Uh, at times. <laughs> uh, 
not a, a major fan, but I'm a, I'm a fan of the uh, NFC uh, North, and like to see all the teams do well. Okay, fair enough. Uh, one other question. Um, last week when you were talking about the, whether the teams will um, sit out or a game or you know make uh, trying to make statements, mm-hmm. I just wondered. Um, there were uh, two police officers killed this past week. One of them was a young black officer in St. Louis, and one in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Uh, are those teams going to do anything for those officers? Are they going to stand up or, uh, you know, protest their death? I mean, obviously, that's something. I mean, we're not in charge of any of those teams, so it's not like we would have that information. Uh, I feel like that question is being shaped to make a point. I don't know if that's a real question or if that's just more of you trying to make a point about something. I'm not really sure. But I have I have not heard anything, Doug, about any uh, anything being done as far as that is concerned, no. Okay. Well, you know, uh, they were talking about, um, you know, last week about, you know, I understand about uh, police officers and 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 use of force sometimes, but it goes both ways is all I was trying to say. And uh, so that was my point. No, totally fine. Thank you so much for your call. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, he talked, of course, about the Steelers and the, and, the, and the quarterback situation. Look, Big Ben, you know what you have for possibly one, two more years, um, but I don't know if the seeds have been planted yet. Like, just because they don't have something right now, it doesn't mean that the Steelers... Right. Like, I know what you're saying about Miles uh, Rudolph or whatever, but at the same time, I don't know if they're looking at him as the guy moving forward they might he might be the guy that they have at the moment but uh, they could be looking to invest into something at a later time i thought cam newton made a lot of sense as far as uh, a guy that might have had a few years left post big ben that they could have you know what i mean like it had that big stature that was gonna be able to you know big physical quarterback um that could take the pounding as far as that's concerned but no i know what you're saying too they're not looking to bring in another veteran back just to hand it they want that air apparent yeah they want um, the air apparent to move forward and move the team into the next you know, 10 to 12 years after Big Ben because, believe it or not, Steelers fans, he can't play forever either. Well, think about this. The Steelers quarterback situation, it wasn't clean before Big Ben. Right. You had Cordell Stewart. You had Maddox. You had, I know I'm missing somebody. It wasn't like they had their guy. Yeah. Like, it's not like the they always have their guy. I mean, like, how, how many more quarterbacks were they going to roll through before they finally found their guy? You know, if, if Big Ben doesn't come, and let's be clear, they drafted Big Ben. They were. I mean, every time you draft a quarterback, everyone like what when the Steelers drafted Big Ben, they envisioned good things. But again, every team envisions great things right. when they draft a guy. So I'm not taking a shot at Big Ben. All I'm saying is, is I'm not going to sit there and say that the Steelers just knew they had gold with Big Ben because let's be clear, every team, the Packers think they have gold with Jordan Love. Every time a team drafts a quarterback late in the draft, they think that they oh might have a sleeper. I'm not saying the Steelers got lucky by any means because you could. That's like saying the Patriots. I mean, the Patriots did get lucky with Tom. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> when you say they get lucky, it always has a negative connotation to it. So that's not what I'm saying with the Steelers. But it's not like Big Ben was a plan. Like it's not like they knew that was going to work out. Um, and let's be clear, teams that think they like the Browns, it would they knew it would work out with Baker. There's so many question marks. It's not even funny. The Bengals right now think they found their quarterback of the future. You have no freaking clue. You've been going up against the most embarrassing defense in the history of the world, second team in practice every day for a month, and everyone's losing their minds about how all the reports are saying Joe Burrow looks great. My point is, the Steelers they didn't know that they had Big Ben when they had Big Ben initially. And if that Big Ben never develops, Kev, how long are they still looking for quarterbacks? after because they don't hit the free agent market like that. Right. Like you've t- Charlie Batch, another one. I may have said that. Charlie, Charlie Batch. Yeah. Charlie uh, Batch. Bobby yeah. <laughs> like We done had some doozies so with us, man. My point is, is post-Big Ben, are they just going to do this whole draft and wait, draft and wait, draft and wait approach and not go to the free agent pool? Yes. All right. Then that's a good day to be a Browns and Bagels fan. 
I'll, I'll answer that for you. Yes. yes. Okay. That is exactly what they're going to do. They're going to draft somebody. Oh, he don't work. We're going to give him uh, next. And they're just going to keep drafting because they will not, I repeat, not go out into the free agent market and spend big dollars on somebody that was not developed by them. That's just their way. Uh, Ron Moreland says, wow, um, the Browns made a good deal, but I hope neither running backs get in trouble off the field. Ron, um, do me a favor. I don't know if you have a smartphone or access to a laptop or a desktop, but I need, Ron, I need you to do me a favor. Go to that desktop or go to that laptop or get out your cell phone if you have internet access on that thing. I need you to do me a favor. Type in Joe Mixon. And I want you to tell me what it's, what comes up. Not about the extension, not about his great couple years with the Bengals. Just keep searching. And let's talk about Joe Mixon's background. Like, I'm not making excuses for any of the Browns players. And let's be clear, by the way, Nick Chubb is one of the most stand-up individuals that you'll ever meet. Uh, I mean, the guy doesn't you know, doesn't get involved on social media. He has no need for any of that. He doesn't get in the back and forth. So, Ron, all I'm saying is if you're going to start taking shots at some of the Browns players and their questionable backgrounds, I think you need to make sure you're very knowledgeable of the players on your team. Because if I Google Joe Mixon, I think it's going to be about as questionable as uh, Kareem Hunt. And we can leave it at that as far as that's concerned. He goes on to say, um, hopefully they don't get in trouble or throw a helmet. Did you talk about that OBJ issue? Uh, no, I have not talked about that OBJ issue. Uh, you know, I was hoping to flush that away. Uh, and uh, what? <laughs> Goodness. <laughs> I mean, what? I mean, what do you? He goes, oh, well, 12 and 4 sounds like 4 and 12. Okay. Well, okay. Well, so basically, if that if that's the route the Browns go, I guess we'll meet you down there. Is that if that's what you're trying to say, Ron? The other Ron, the Ron. It's a it's a battle of Rons today. Uh-oh. Uh oh. Ron says that Fournette is making less than four million a year. The Bucks have the better deal. That that is a good deal, Ron. But you are delusional and fool yourself if you think that the Buccaneers have the best running backs. They have two really good running backs. But look at the total amount of money that they're spending on their backs, Ron. It passes the $10 million. That That was my point. And I'm not saying who has the best backfield, Ron. The Buccaneers, they, I mean, they already were swimming in gold, man. And then you get Leonard Fournette on top of it. Good for the Buccaneers. That was a very good pickup for them. My point for the Browns is the fact that you have Joe Mixon and Nick Chubb for $7 million a year. While teams like uh, the Titans are paying their running back $12.5 million a year. The Bengals were foolish enough to fork over that kind of money um, to Joe Mixon, and they don't even have an offensive line. And, uh, you know, who knows when they're going to have to start paying some of their other top pieces. So my point is, is that the Browns have the most bang for their buck as far as the running back position is concerned. I'm not saying they have the best backfield, although that might be up for debate by the end of the year. But I do believe, for as far as money goes, the Browns have the best bang for their buck as far as that goes. We'll get into some more NFL talk coming up around the corner. ESPN put out their simulated 2020 season. We keep talking about the Browns and the Bengals. What will their win total be? I predicted 12-4 and four for the Browns. I have no problem continuing to stick with that. Uh, and I think that, again, when you look at the plan for Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb moving forward, all eyes are on Baker Mayfield. But when the Browns have success, it's going to be in spite of that. I think it's going to be because of the run game and the tandem of Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. What does that ESPN simulated 2020 NFL season look like? We'll get into that. Plus, we have more updates for you about the future of the Big Ten season, whether it's in the fall or spring. Don't get your hopes up, fall fans. We'll be back in a moment. Not so long ago, lots of things made people happy. I used to love going to the gym. I miss saying good morning to my coworkers. Today, there are still things that can make people happy. 
pretty. A beautiful bouquet of flowers will definitely make someone happy. First Florist and Greenhouses can help you make someone happy. Go to firsttheflorist.com, choose a bouquet, and bell for it safely. Make someone happy with First Florist and Greenhouses. It's the Justin. It's the Justin Kinner Show live here on ESPN Dayton, fourteen ten Wing AM. Tweet the show at fourteen ten Kinner or give us a call at four five seven nine four six four. We now send you to the Wing Studios in Kettering. Here's your host, Justin Kinner. <laughs> Just super clear, Kevin. I think people are starting to realize what we've been talking about with OBJ throughout oh, the show. They would have did their Googles. Uh, they yeah. Don't don't click on the images, folks. <laughs> That might be a little, uh, a little crappy. Just saying. Uh, I mean, I, I really do. You know, someone brought up Jarvis Landry earlier. I really do think that the roles will be reversed. I think OBJ prefers to be the number two <laughs> receiver. <laughs> Man, can we get into that finally? Can we talk about that? Oh, hold up. I need more toilet jokes. I'm trying to think. Hold on. If it's, uh, if it's brown, flush it down. <laughs> that takes on a whole new meaning now, thanks to OBJ. What a weird, weird thing. I'm never going to be able to, like, defend him again. <laughs> like, seriously. Like, yeah, no wonder. He has slippery hands. You nasty. God. Ugh. Okay, this is my two cents on it. People are still so... But people, if you're confused, real quick... If you're confused, just Google OBJ's name and you'll find out what's going on. It's a very, I, it's the strangest. It's 2020. If 2020 was a headline, it's whatever headline you find about OBJ in 2020. Just your fun. Yeah. Um. So whatever he likes to get into in the privacy of his own bedroom, that's his business. He can do and enjoy whatever he likes in the privacy privacy of his own bedroom. But for these young ladies go on a podcast and try to make fun of him she tried to accommodate that need OBJ wanted so she's just as nasty as he is and they're trying to make fun of him now we all know I'm not the OBJ guy on this show but I will defend him on that like you're trying to make fun of me but you were trying to do it so what does that say about you like I said, whatever he's got going on in the privacy of his own bedroom, that's on him. Hey, knock yourself out. As long as people are of age, it's all good. <laughs> but these are sort of the stories where I can't even share half the stuff people are texting into the show because it's not FCC approved. Um, I tried to go as clean with it as possible. That, see what you did? Someone said <laughs> it's all new meaning to a Cleveland. <laughs> yeah, something else. Ah, uh, man, I tell you what, but uh, yes. Uh, so if he has a bad game this year, am I, like, <laughs> am, am I allowed to on Monday be like, all right, folks, the Browns, they lose another one. Baker Mayfield had a good game, but due to another crappy performance from Odell Beckham Jr., the Browns lose another one. For more, we send it to Kev Nash. Kev? And as if COVID hasn't been a reason to wash your oh, hands, man. OBJ, I mean, if everyone in that Browns locker room, I'm telling you right now, no wonder he likes to play for the Browns. It's his favorite color. Oh, good. I'm just saying. It's this guy's I love Shots fired. You nasty. Where were we going with this? I don't know, man. Me neither. How about we go to this? David Baker. What up, Dave? He says 12-4 and four for the Browns. I should, uh, I should live so long, but I'm hopeful. 
So there's that. Another 12 and 4. Because I, I, I predicted the 12 and 4. Uh, oh, hold on. i got to read this before I put it on the page. <laughs> yeah, you definitely need to do that if you're talking to OBJ. Okay. Good job, David. David Kendrick, uh, shout out to you. Considering the childish antics between Kevin and I right here, uh, he he brings in some just regular sports talk. You know, none of this other crap that we're talking about. <laughs> Ah, okay. So David says, uh, who really knows? We did not see any preseason games. None of the premier starters have probably even really been hit yet. I don't know, but go Browns. Uh, go Browns, exactly, as far as that's concerned. That's the number one concern, really. Like, I'm curious, like, how sloppy is week one going to look for all teams? Because you're going to want – there's going to be some, you know, physical practices, yes. But, I mean, a lot of times as coaches, you're probably going to be a little bit more conservative on how much contact – you know, it's just enough to be able to kind of crack the pads and get loose that way. Right. But you don't want to risk injuries. You know, sometimes preseason, it's a necessary evil. Uh, we don't love preseason. We don't like preseason, but it is a necessary evil. Uh, we like to label the four preseason games as just it's all about money and those things. Yes, money plays a huge role. I don't think you need four preseason games. Um, but the preseason games, they are very necessary. Necessary when you are simulating um, real game like game time action. I don't think you could do that in practice. Um, we've seen teams who have done the literally, you know, inner squad inner squad scrimmages where they literally have they run out onto the field like it's game day. It's the same. I mean, it's the exact same thing. The Bengals, Browns, everybody, uh, just trying to simulate as much of these situations as possible. And it's going to be interesting come Monday. How that's going to work. Was it Army? No, what game was on last night? BYU Army. Was it BYU, BYU or Navy? BYU, BYU Navy. Navy. Was, it, was, was it Navy or BYU that the coach said that they did no contact during, during practices? Last night was the first time that there was any physical hitting at all. I, from the looks of it, I think I know Navy who that was. <laughs> didn't do any hitting because BYU, granted, they don't play any big dogs on their schedule. Uh, I think they're going to be undefeated this year. I think they're going to run the table, and then you have your conundrum about what you're going to do with BOIU. They're an independent school. They've Who somehow. Because, they <laughs> in all they fairness. Play me, you, you, Wright State. But you know that sports. matters. I, I don't think because that happened with UCF, though. UCF. But this is a totally different situation. You have, you have no Mountain West, you have no Big Ten, you have no MAC, you have no Pac 12. Like, you have eliminated half of college football. Like, and I mean, I know what you're going to say. No, no, I'm, I'm not in a trolling mood today. Okay. Let's put it that okay. way. Okay, so out of all those conferences, in raw reality, there's only one, possibly two teams that would have been in contention to go to the CFP. But still, this is a very strange year. If any year that a school that was not from the Power Five was going to make the college football playoff, this is the year. Like we talked about it yep. with UC, we talked about Memphis, we talked about UCF. Why can't BYU be in that conversation? I mean, anything's possible in 2020, apparently. <laughs> and by the way, I, I don't see it for BYU. I do need to see who they play. Nobody. Tell so, me There's absolutely nobody. I, I, I don't, you know, <laughs> I, they're not getting in undefeated. Because normally they would be playing at least two Pac-12 schools that I think uh, they actually had Notre Dame on the schedule this year. Like, they had a you know, a pretty good schedule to, but I mean, now it's just decimated because they're just hunting for games. And Anybody. See, uh, you run the table and you're still going to look at that and just say, okay, well, you beat up on a, but, and look, that's, and that's consistent with what the college football playoff committee has, you know, told, I mean, that's how they've 
operated. All right, um, here, here's BYU's schedule. Uh, they got that big win last night over Navy, 55 to three. They got Army. They got Troy. They got uh, <laughs> University of Texas San uh, San Diego. Oh, didn't even know that. Was, no, uh, San Antonio, um, Houston. So there's a decent team. Texas State, Western Kentucky, and North Alabama. So, like I Man, said, no wonder Alabama could have played these teams because <laughs> they were all booked up already. So, I mean, the toughest opponent on the schedule is Houston. Houston, and that's and look, they're going to have. I mean, good for them. And by the way, you play who's in front of you; it's all you can do. Um, but I agree with you that I think the best chance that this will be the year, if there ever is going to be a time where a non-power five school makes the college football playoff, it will be this year. And I think that the committee might bend that way more because they could justify it. They could justify it because there is no Pac-12 and Big Ten teams playing as of right now um, this season. It was funny because Desmond Howard. On college game day over the weekend, which, by the way, Lee Corso. I love Lee Corso. But he forgot. I mean, I'm not getting political here, but everyone that laughs at Biden. I mean, Lee Corso pulled multiple Bidens over the week. My favorite line from Lee Corso was, you know what I think? Here's what I think. That's what I think. That was a Lee Corso liner over the weekend. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like, that was, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I mean, yeah, he, he, I feel bad. I really do feel bad because Lee Corso, I think they're going to have to find a way to implement him. Maybe at the very end, shoot it to Lee Corso. He could put on the team mascot head that, you know, just to still keep that tradition alive in the game day thing. But he, that, that was rough over the weekend. Yeah, so I mean, you, you got to think about it. Like, he's been struggling for the last couple of years. And actually, last year, he did a real good job, and ESPN did a good job, you know, implementing other personalities on the show so he's not on the desk the whole time and everything yep. like that. It's really like the intro, halfway through, he makes another appearance, and then, you know, the pick him segment. Um, it's got to be very difficult for a person of his age, you know, dealing with whatever he's dealing with, personal life. And now, hey, we're going to set up a, a camera at your house, and we want you to do a live show so it's just got to be totally difficult i mean we yep. see the same things happen on first take where people are talking over each other so you probably got one person in this year and another person in this year it's got to be very difficult for the sunshine scooter as he's called lee corso man so you know i hope he's able to get through this season and keep everybody entertained and everything like that because he is a fixture in college football man yeah, and, and my ADD kind of got me off uh, subject there real quick. But um, they were, t to go back to the Power 5 conversation, they were talking about who was your surprise, who was your sleeper team to make the college football playoff. And originally, um, you know, he had selected LSU. And I'm like, well, LSU, that's a weird sleeper team. Uh, but Desmond Howard said, look, they lost so much talent, blah, blah, blah. But then they were talking about, you know, your sleeper team, the team that you least expect to make the playoff. Cincinnati was the team that, you know, was brought up right away. You look at all the talent on both sides of the ball, you know, really good wide receivers. Um, you know, obviously Luke Fickle being there uh, and the job that he's doing with the Bearcats. So that was their sleeper team. And I agree. If there's every year where Cincinnati or UCF and UCF, that ain't going to happen. They just, I mean, they had 10, 10 total players, and I think like four of them were starters. That, uh, and that's just the initial. That like there was just a, a group of ten players that all opted out last week for yeah. um, um, for who we're just talking about UCF. So ten total players, four of them were starters, but I think they're up to a total of sixteen. Like they've had sixteen players opt out. Like that's a lot. That's a lot. So mm -hmm. UCF they have their work cut out for them as far as that's concerned. But if Cincinnati runs the table and they 
are undefeated, they you know, remain undefeated, top 25, and they work their way into the top 10, do not be surprised if Cincinnati finds a way uh, to sneak into the college football playoff as far as that's concerned. But my point is, is there will be more pressure on Cincinnati than any team that has ever stepped foot in the college football playoff because we talked about this with Notre Dame a few years ago. Their schedule, they did not deserve to be in based on the schedule. It wasn't their fault. It wasn't their fault that UCF was not as good as what they've been in years past. It wasn't their fault that a lot of the traditional powers that they played weren't, you know, in Michigan and all that. They weren't that great that year. Fine. With that being said, though, they ended up making the playoff, went undefeated, and then they got embarrassed in the in the, in the playoff game, which was the second straight time that they've gotten to a title game or a playoff and just gotten destroyed. That was a big game for them because they said, hey, if they really want to shut people up about, hey, you know, we don't play in a conference, but if they can go in and make some noise in the playoff and win a game or get to the title game, that would have really earned a lot of respect moving forward. I say the same thing about Cincinnati. If you're going to get denied, this, that would be the biggest game in the history of the world for Cincinnati and the American Conference because if Cincinnati finds a way to win a game in the playoff, now you have to pay attention to the American Conference. But let's be clear. Remember what happened the last time Cincinnati played an elite team? When they played Ohio State last year, and that's the kind of team they'll run into. Mm -hmm. Maybe not Ohio State this year, but if they run into a Clemson, you know, if Clemson's a one seed and Cincinnati's a four or Alabama's a one, you if you are Luke Fickle in Cincinnati, you can't get all this hype and all this pro and, and get propped up the way you are and then lay an egg the way you did against Ohio State last year. That was my big thing on the American Conference. I love the American Conference, but my big concern is, okay, you put them on the field with one of the legit premier teams, the gap between them is still so significant that I'm not convinced that they would finish top three in any of the Power Five conferences as good as they are. So it would be interesting. I would love to see Cincinnati get a shot, but man, they would have so much pressure in that playoff because it wouldn't even be about winning for Cincinnati, Kev, if they could just compete. Hey, you lose by possession. You lose by field goal at the end. Oh, Alabama pulled away and scored two touchdowns and shut you out in the fourth quarter. That's okay. But you can't go and get beat 45 to nothing or whatever it was that Ohio State just poured on them at the shoe last season, which seemed like ages ago, by the way. Definitely. Um, I will push back on you on the Notre Dame thing in the blowouts. There's been blowouts left and right in the college football playoff by teams that we didn't expect to get blown out. We got Oregon <laughs> blowing, blowing the defended champs, Florida State, out 59 to 20. We got Bama blowing out Michigan State, 38 to nothing. We got... Clemson beating the Buckeyes 31-0. We got uh, oh, 31-0. <laughs> you go. We got Bama beating Clemson uh, 24-6. We got Clemson beating Notre Dame like you said 30 to nothing. We got LSU beating Oklahoma 63 to 28. And that was the first half. Yeah, that was that was a boat race. <laughs> so like teams get boat race. Teams get boat race. Like big name teams get boat race. Like we got boat race 31 to nothing. Like so. I don't. I just don't think that them being boat raced in that national uh, semifinal basically disqualifies them from going to the college football playoff just because they quote unquote don't play anybody. Because there's no question that Ohio State played a lot of somebodies and beat a lot of somebodies, but we still lost 31 to nothing. Uh, Michigan State, shoot, they beat Ohio State that year, and they beat other big time teams. They beat. Michigan that year too that didn't stop them from getting beat 38 to nothing so I just don't think just because quote unquote you don't play anybody you don't deserve to be in there because you got boat race like those teams got boat race too and I mean you look at the defending champs at Florida State the first year of the college football playoff you know it's it's uh 24 to 20 at halftime and then Oregon just rattles off like 30 straight points like it I, I just can't like this is just for me 
I I love the college football playoff just because I love college football, but I was a big proponent of the BCS because I honestly don't think that there is more than four teams that are championship worthy. Like everybody talks about this expanding of the college football playoff. Yeah, we agree. The, Going to eight, I'm like sometimes what? the four is questionable. Yeah, like I think you could find three, two easily. Which two, by the way, that's your national championship <laughs> exactly. from the BCS era. The reason the BCS and let's be clear here, the BCS era was always so controversial because why there was always three championship contenders, right? And one always got left out, right? There has not been a national championship contender left out. Now, you could say Ohio State, the back-to-back years, because they slipped up against Iowa and Purdue. Well, let's be clear. Championship teams don't don't slip up against Iowa and Purdue, period. I'm right. not trying to get into a debate. The, that's my point, though. Um, you know what I'm saying? So, like, that's why the BCS era was so controversial, because you had two championship game slots, and there was always three teams that could have easily won a national championship. Right. In the college football playoff at four... You have three teams who are capable of winning a national championship, and that fourth one that has a resume that can rival five, six, and seven, right. or at least five and six at the at the least. So, no, I agree with you on that. I mean, we don't agree at, often, but I agree with you on that. Yeah, and to to back up that point, in the very first one, you know, you think about Baylor and TCU. They were left out. They were both eleven and one from the Big Twelve. Like, of course, we all going to say like it all worked out. The, the the they got it right because Ohio State won it all. <laughs> Of course we're going to say that because it's our team and they won. But who's to say that if Baylor got would have got in there or if TCU would have got in there, they couldn't have won at all. Like, I just I just don't like the, the versions of history that we like to tell, tell ourselves just because it's personally our team. You know, you can look at Penn State possibly, you know, the year uh, that we got boat raced. Like, we could look at them and say maybe they deserve to be in there because they were the Big Ten champion. So, that's the that's the that's the love and hate with college football. You know, I've always said this. College football is like politics. And as nasty as politics is, it's the same thing in college football because we want to rep our school to the fullest. And then when we're not repping our school, we start repping our conference like the SEC. Like for some reason, like Tennessee gets the root and chant SEC when Alabama and LSU are hoisting trophies when they haven't hoisted a trophy since 1999. Like, this is this is how college football thrives because it's always topical, because it's always recruiting season. It's always something going on. It's always jockeying for recruits. It's always jockeying for the number one spot. But you know what? You can only control is winning the games on Saturday. And unfortunately... No Big Ten team, no Pac-12 team, no MAC team, no Mountain West team will have that opportunity to play on Saturdays this season. And I watched the games, a couple of the games over the weekend. I got all ready for a, a good game on Monday night, and that BYU game was a blowout. And then, you know, one of those great things about college football is, oh, if this game's a blowout, you can always find another one. That's not going to be the case this year. There's going to be so many games that are postponed and canceled. You see everything that happened at Tennessee, you know, 44 players held out with injury or COVID-19 or uh, contact tracing. So they weren't able to do a scrimmage. You hear Lane Kiffin saying we can't play right now because of COVID-19. We're not ready to play. You see uh, Oklahoma State canceling the game already because of COVID-19. Like we better buckle up because I believe that. This college football season will end in October. 
All right, and uh, and real quick to close out my point about Notre Dame and stuff earlier too. By the way, it wasn't just because they got blown out as to why I believe that they won't be let back in. It's because of the outside circumstances. Is that the committee said, you know what, we're going to give you the benefit of the doubt. We know you didn't play anybody. We know you don't play in a conference. You know you didn't play in a conference championship game. The committee overlooked a lot of things to let Notre Dame in the last time. The committee is going to have to overlook a lot of things to let Cincinnati or UCF team in this time because you could justify a two-loss SEC team getting in over an undefeated American Conference team because, hey, even if they play a, a number 18 UCF and Cincinnati is undefeated and win the American Conference championship game, you're looking at a two-loss LSU defending national championship or champion that they're not going to get in because they have two losses, but you could justify putting them in over Cincinnati because, well, if LSU played the American Conference schedule, they would be undefeated too. People hate that. Yeah. They hate that logic. But, folks, sometimes that's just it, it's the common sense thing there. So when I brought up Notre Dame, it was Notre Dame faced pressure of when they got the, when the committee gave them the benefit of the doubt that year and they let them in the playoff despite not playing a tough schedule and not really beating anyone of significance, despite the fact that they don't didn't play in a conference championship game because many people believe in that year Ohio State played in their Big Ten championship game and everyone felt that, hey, that was another top 25 win that they capped off. Yes, they had a bad loss, but they should be in. I can see why Buckeye fans were so mad, but they gave the, be the benefit of the doubt, went to Notre Dame, and then they go and get boat raced. That's why I believe that, oh, you can get, you know, Ohio State has history. You can get blown out. That's fine. Oklahoma, you... It's never you, fine. It's, but, you know, my point is that, like, <laughs> it's not changing the perception yeah. of your program with the committee. Notre Dame, I promise you, if they run the table again in the future, maybe not this year in the ACC, but as an independent, if they don't play anyone of significance that year and they don't play in a conference champion, the committee's going to remember the last time they took a chance on them. And I'm going to say the same thing about Cincinnati. Cincinnati makes the playoff and they get a huge win. The committee's now, in the future, they are going to be forced to. They can't just say, oh, well, you know, these guys, they don't play anybody or this and that. Well, you let them in when they didn't play anybody last year and look what they did. So that's why I'm like, there's a lot of pressure on the American Conference if they're fortunate enough to have someone be a representative. All right, real quick, uh, we were talking Browns earlier. David Baker. What up, Bake? He goes, uh, I'd like the Browns to be uh, my pallbearers. That way they can let him down one more time. There you go. I thought he was going somewhere else, but okay. Like the Bobby Knight one? <laughs> when they bury me, bury me face down so all my critics can kiss my ass. That's still one of the all-time greats as far as that one. Uh, Ron says, why aren't you talking about OBJ? Ron, what do you what do? You do? When our show is on, what do you do? We've talked about it multiple times. Get your head out of your ass, man. Ha, <laughs> See? Uh. Did you know Brown's Nursery's annual stock reduction auction is on Saturday, September 12th? You can save hundreds, even thousands of dollars on high-quality nursery stock, trees, and shrubs. The auction starts at 719 a.m. and we'll have four, yes, four, auction rings running all day long. And you can jump in on the bidding anytime. Brown's Nursery, located half-mile north of Phillipsburg on State Route 49, four miles north of I-70. Take exit 24. Masks and social distancing are required. Go to brownsnursery.com for more details. Better show live here on ESPN Dayton. Justin Kinder, Kevin Nash, back with you here on 1410 ESPN Radio. Happy Tuesday. Again, hope everyone enjoyed their Monday off for Labor Day, and uh, we're back at it. Big week this week. Again, it's, it's official. Well, let me ask you this, Kev. Does it feel like week one of the NFL season? No. Um, someone was talking about this the other day, that this is a problem for the NFL, that it's a problem for the National Football League that that there's not a lot of buzz heading into the season. And the big question is, why isn't there a lot of buzz heading into the season? This is one of the most exciting... Uh, it, I don't even want to know. Should I even ask? I'll tell you off the air. Was it a good or a bad thing? Depends on your views, viewpoints. 
Was it a, an automated call? Yes, it was an automated call. From oh, who are we voting for? Who are we voting for? <laughs> it was an automated call from you the president You should have let him on. Of the United States. Call back. <laughs> Next time, let him on the air. We're going to have a little conversation. I just, I'm curious what that call was. It, was it a ro- like a robotic call? Yes. Oh, that ain't fun. Yeah, but it was the actual voice of the president of the United States. Now, that definitely needed to be on. The Donald. We could have had the Donald on the Justin Kinder Show with Kevin Nash. See? That would have been huge. Not going there, man. Uh, I mean, every day you get to talk to the Donald. So there's that. All right, where were we going with this? Is it a problem that the NFL at this point, Kev, the season kicks off this week, and there's not a lot of buzz around the season, which is kind of interesting to me because there's so much buzz around the NFL right Right. now. Um, There are so many interesting storylines. The NFL kind of had a little reshuffle this past offseason. Tom Brady, like the Patriots aren't the Patriots anymore. I mean, they are, but they aren't. Tom Brady, you know, has kind of, you know, just, uh, you know, brought some fresh air, of course, with the Buccaneers and everybody. Like, I, I don't know. There's just a lot of interesting storylines. Joe Burrow to the Bengals. How's Baker going to do with the Browns in year two with Stefanski? And, you know, they get Hooper and the, they, you know, big investment there. Big Ben. Can the Steelers come back? There's, so, you know, Cam Newton with the Patriots now. Um, and the Patriots have released every piece of talent that they have left, but they bring in Cam Newton. And then if the Patriots fail, is it the Patriots? Because they have no talent, or is it Cam Newton? Are we going to hold Cam Newton to the same you know standard of Tom Brady? Well, Tom Brady got to the playoffs with no talent last year. Cam Newton, how come you can't get to the playoffs with no talent? There is so much intrigue about this season coming up, but I feel like it just, I can't remember the last time that we were entering week one of the NFL season and it felt this stale, and I don't get it. Now, I don't find it stale. I'm excited and pumped up, but I feel like people are just not as into it, and I don't know why. People are supposed to be at home, watching Sports Center, getting I mean, all the hype. Is it because there's no preseason, Kev? It is because there's no preseason. Uh, the hype just isn't there. Like, we get hype, we stay hype. <laughs> you know, the lack of preseason, you know, I've been talking to uh, my cousin who I'm normally in a fantasy football league with, and he's not even doing his league. Our buddy, DJ Killer Kev, normally him and I, like, create a league and get people in. He's like, ah, never mind, man. I just ain't even hyped for it. You know, the buzz for the NFL season as a whole isn't there. Um, I think it is because we haven't seen anything. The only thing we've seen was, if you're watching ESPN, you see camp reports. Like, you haven't been able to see any preseason action. If there was preseason action, I think that builds the hype. And then we see everything that's going on in the college game with the constant pushbacks, and not only pushbacks, but canceling of seasons in the Big Ten and the Pac-12. You know, I think people are on edge. I think people are taking the, well, let me see if it really happens or not type of approach to the NFL season. Yeah, I, I don't know what it is, um, but I felt like there would be more buzz for the season coming up, mainly because, um, well, with everything that's going on in 2020, this is finally something that you can really jump on. I thought baseball had the most hype of all the sports that came back. And I feel like baseball's kind of hit a little bit of a wall right now. Very interesting, though. But I think that because there's so much negativity surrounding the the college football season, that it's really deflated the NFL. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like if we were talking about Buckeye, I mean, we should be coming, we should be doing the show today, recapping week one of the college football season with Ohio State, and we're not doing that. Which, by the way, depends on what schedule you go to. Because technically, <laughs> last Thursday was supposed to be last Thursday was supposed to be the Buckeyes' first game of the season on the road at Illinois, and what was the reshuffled Big Ten only schedule, if you recall. Right. And, of course, it was like four days later when Kevin Warren decided that, gotcha, you got to be quicker than that. Uh, you know, Kevin Warren 
pulled the you know pulled the okie doke on everybody as far as that's concerned. So, nonetheless, it is week one of the National Football League, and that's all that matters. Again, we're going to have uh, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs on Thursday night going up against uh, you know Deshaun Watson and the Texans, the two highest paid quarterbacks in the history of the National Football League, going head to head. So we are looking forward to that. And then of course the Browns will be in action this weekend, Sunday, one o'clock. Uh, against the Ravens, the Bengals will be in action. You get to, you get to see Joe Burrow for the first time, and yeah, so it's going to be interesting how all of that pans out. I'm excited finally. I'm rubbing my hands together, man, because you know Browns beat the Ravens. Oh, we're giving our picks later this week, but oh, that's I'm oh, leaning, that's I'm leaning I'll that ready. way. I'll be ready. I'm leaning that way. Oh, but I mean, I'm just here for some football. You know, granted, I'm a college lover more than an NFL lover, but I'll take anything right about now. I'll take any type of football, man. I, I need it. I, I I thought that, too, until BYU and, and Navy. <laughs> okay, so here's the deal. So ESPN, let's hit that NFL music. Oh, yeah. ESPN did a, they simulated the entire 2020 NFL season. Now, they do have Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs repeating as Super Bowl champions. Uh, that's a given. I think that shouldn't surprise most. Um, but now that you know the ending of the movie, Let's fill in everything else in between. So, Kevin, so they did the a, the full AFC projected standings and the full NFC projected standings. We'll start with the NFC. For those of you who are watching, we are live on Facebook and on ESPN Dayton's YouTube channel. Go to Facebook, search The Justin Kinner Show. Follow and like. Again, listen, stream, watch. You can listen on 1410 Wing AM. Stream us at wingam.com and watch us live weekday afternoons from 3 to 6 on the Justin Kinner Show Facebook page. We've also shared it on the ESPN Dayton Facebook page as well. You can also watch all previous episodes of the Justin Kinner Show on the on the website at wingam.com. Click on Watch ESPN Dayton and you'll have access to my show, the Keith Byers Show, and of course 1410 wing live let's take a look for those watching live on facebook the nfc final standings this according of course to the espn fully simulated 2020 national football league season the nfc standings kevin according to this espn uh, simulated season we'll start in the nfc north the vikings finishing 10 and 6 on the season the lions at 7 8 and 1 i love i love a simulated season that they project a tie by the way <laughs> that's called paying attention to detail the bears 7 and 9 and the Packers 7-9. Wow. I'm very confused as to why the Packers are taking that much of a step back. They bring back that entire defense from last year. Right. The running game is another year older. Of course, not, and that's a good thing. More season. You know, but, and then you have Adams and those guys. I, I, I don't get why the Packers are taking a step back. A playoff team a year ago, they don't even have them in the playoffs in 2020. They're saying A-Rod going to fall off the map. That's what they're saying. I don't agree, but that's what they're saying. Packers at seven and nine, the Bears at seven and nine, the Lions seven eight and one, and then the Vikings going ten and six. And I remember when the NFC North was one of the most it was one of the most dominant divisions in football. It's not looking that way now. When you had Aaron Rodgers and the Packers and the Bears and that defense and the Vikings, of course. Hopefully they get that stuff situated with Dalvin Cook and company. I think that Dalvin Cook, everything I heard you know, throughout the day, Dalvin Cook, that deal should be done shortly. When you're seeing other deals around the NFL getting done, you saw the Bengals and Joe Mixon get done recently. You just saw the Cardinals get their big deal done with Hopkins earlier today. The Browns get a deal with their, with their not second team running back, but their secondary running back, of course, in Kareem Hunt. There's deals being done all over the place. Look for Dalvin Cook and the Vikings to get a deal done here um, in the near future. Let's transition uh, down, I should say, to the 
the NFC South. The NFC South, of course, is the most interesting division in football outside of the AFC North to me because that's where you have Tom Brady and company. By the way, week one already, the biggest one of the biggest matchups of the season, you already have the Saints and the Buccaneers going head-to-head. Tom Brady, Drew Brees, however long Tom Brady plays in this division, however long Drew Brees plays in this division, how cool is that to get to circle that matchup twice a year? We already get to see it in week one, Drew Brees against Tom Brady. But you look at that, the NFC standings, they have the Saints going 10-6 and six and the Buccaneers going 10-6. and six. That's crap. That's a cop-out. <laughs> that's lazy. ESPN, that's lazy. Now, they have the Saints winning the division, technically, but the Buccaneers and Saints both going 10-6. and six. As T.O. would say, get your popcorn ready because you're about to see two future Hall of Famers battle it out in the division. You know, a lot of people always said things about the Patriots and Tom Brady. Well, they're in the AFC East. Has no competition ever in that division. Well, he got competition now. He got big time competition. Absolutely. Now the Falcons coming in at nine and seven. Now the Falcons interest me because there's a lot on the line there. Again, that's an organization that's had that's had a solid core for a while. How long they keep them together, you don't know. Now they just kind of reboosted that a little bit. Now you have Julio Jones and Matt Ryan. Julio Jones, arguably the best receiver in football. Then you have, of course, Matt Ryan, former NFL MVP quarterback, who still has a lot in the tank. And let's put it this way: nine and seven is not a bad season. In fact, I think nine and seven is really, really good considering you do have the Saints and the Buccaneers. They go out and get Matt, or they get Todd Gurley. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. in the offseason. That's one of the better trios in the NFL this season. You have Matt Ryan, former NFL MVP quarterback. You have Julio Jones, arguably the best receiver in football. And one of the top running backs in football went healthy in Todd Gurley. If those three pan out, uh, I mean, look out. But then again, it's not like the Falcons have not had a strong run game in the past. Todd Gurley's a sexier name. Right. But I don't know how much better the Falcons are. The expectations are higher because you added Todd Gurley. But let's be clear. The run game for the Falcons has not been the problem the last couple of years. So I don't know if Gurley, how much better he makes them. Sure, he makes them better, but I don't know if it ta- if he takes them to that next level. That's my biggest concern as far as that goes. I think if it's a breakout season for Calvin Ridley playing beside Julio, if he has a breakout year, they have a chance to make it back to the playoffs. He has to have a breakout year. Schrody chiming in saying, wait, Kenner just said 9-7 and seven is a good season? I thought it was always Super Bowl or bust. <laughs> Get him! Well, Schrody, if you were listening a little closer, I said 9-7 and is a very good record considering you play in a division with the Saints and Buccaneers, and the Saints and Buccaneers ESPN simulated season has them both going 10-6, and six, and there's the Falcons at 9-7. and seven. I think that's a very good record considering that Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and Todd Gurley has to play Tom Brady, Leonard Fournette, and company twice. And obviously, had, obviously having to play, uh, you know, Drew Brees and Michael Thomas and you know Alvin Kamara and those guys multiple occasions. That's a great season. If you're the Falcons and you're nine and seven, that's a fantastic season as far as I'm concerned. Let's go on to the NFC West, Kevin. They have again the 49ers in the Super Bowl a season ago, having winning the division, 11 and five. The 49ers. And the Rams at 11-5. and five. Wow. This is interesting. So the NFC West already a very surprising uh, model here because they have the Niners winning the division at 11-5. and five. The Rams uh, also making the playoffs at 11-5. and five. Keep in mind, they've moved on from Cooks. They don't have Todd Gurley anymore. Uh, but apparently a lot of expectations for the Rams heading into this season. But they have the Seahawks at 9-7. and seven. And in year two for Kyler Murray and, of course, providing him with, uh, with Hopkins, I'm sorry, at 8-8. Eight and eight. Every team in that NFC West finishing above or at or above 500. That's scary, man, because uh, I know we're going to do our Super Bowl picks later in the week, but 
I have very high expectations for the Seahawks this year. Huge expectations if you dig my drift. They're one of the most. Uh, I'm not. A, I'm not sold on Russell Wilson. Okay, I'm going to anger a lot of people with that. I think he's a very good quarterback, but like I think he gets. I think he gets way too much credit for the Super Bowl appearances early on as a rookie when that defense and the the other offensive weapons around him. Again. He hasn't led that team anywhere. They win a lot of games in the regular season, but they, I mean, and by the way, I should say this to be fair. That roster he just did two, it, Rody. Two years ago, when by the way, what I just did what? It's not good enough. No, but it was good enough. Schrody goes, oh, oh, here we go with the backtracking, Kev. He just did it within a matter of minutes. I can't help it, but I'm not sold on Russell Wilson. I just not like he's a really good quarterback. I would take him over Baker Mayfield right now. I tell you that much. But again. With how Baker played last year, that's not really saying much as far as that's concerned. And by the way, I don't think I'm that crazy right now, especially when you take a look at what we're just looking at now with the NFC standings. Again, ESPN simulated the entire 2020 season. The Seahawks go 9-7. and seven. I mean, they have the Rams. All of a sudden, the Rams just get it together. Jared Goff and the Rams after no Todd Gurley. They don't have Cooks, one of their top receivers anymore. Like, what in the world? I just lost my breath right there trying to talk. I don't know. That interests me, though. This was one of the bigger surprises out of the NFC as far as that's concerned. I'm trying Again, to think of the weapons the Rams have. They have Cooper Cup, uh, Robert Woods, Cam Akers, and that's all I can think of on their offense. Obviously, the defense is legit. Is the defense going to carry them to 11 wins? The defense is legit, and that's I mean, they put a lot of money in there. I mean, you, you have you know Ramsey, you have Donald, you have a lot of money uh, invested into that, but it's just one of those things where, I mean, what about the offense? Because, like I said, Sean McVay was probably the most overrated effect in the National Football League. That's how the Bengals got their five-year-old coach to take over with no head coaching. And that, nobody, Zach Taylor wasn't even a coordinator. How do you put a guy like Zach Taylor in charge uh, of being a head coach of the National? Now, granted, it is the Bengals, so if there is a team that's dumb enough to do that, it is them. But, again, the, the McVay effect to Bengals fans is Zach Taylor is a result of that. But if you look at last year's McVay effect, I don't think Zach Taylor and company is getting jobs after the way the Rams looked last year. So we should see. I mean, how come there wasn't a Niners effect? Mm. Fair enough. How can, you know, but again, I'm not. I know how good that offense was that year that they made it to the Super Bowl. But it was very ironic that that offense disappeared. Gurley was injured, so that does say a lot about that. All right, stay in the NFC. As far as this is concerned, let's take a trip up to the NFC East. The NFC East, ESPN, this simulated 2020 NFL season has the Eagles finishing 10 and six and making the playoffs, winning that division. Again, I'm assuming that they are assuming, which they have nothing to base this <laughs> assumption off of. They are assuming that all of a sudden Carson Wentz is going to stay healthy, which is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. There is nothing in the history of football that proves Carson Wentz can stay healthy. Eventually, he's going to have to sneeze and he'll blow his back out. I'm sure. I have no confidence in the Eagles and Carson Wentz whatsoever. Uh, Ten and six for the Eagles is laughable. They do have the Cowboys making the playoffs as well, coming in at nine and seven. The Giants' second year again. I mean, you have Daniel Jones, you have Saquon Barkley. Um, you, you know, how big a jump will Daniel Jones take in his second year in the league? Keep in mind, Daniel Jones uh, went sixth overall in the first year of last year's NFL draft. Everyone thought that was supposed to be Dwayne Haskins' spot. Mm -hmm. Dwayne Haskins drops all the way to number 15 uh, to the Washington football team. Everyone was angry. As embarrassing as the Browns, who actually went out and got elite talent last year and lost and missed the playoffs with them. I'm acknowledging that, trying to get to the punchline before the Bengals fans do with me. But I, I at least can acknowledge it. So, Kevin... ESPN's not that far off. I told you months ago, mm -hmm. and you and was it you or whoever yeah. laughed at me? No way. I said they could win seven to nine games easily. 
and they're seven and nine according to ESPN Simulator right here. I disagree with the Browns seven and nine, but then again, I was trying to wave that flag a year ago at this time, and look how it ended up. And by the way, a year ago yesterday or two days ago? <laughs> no, it was a year ago yesterday. I'm yesterday. checking the I'm checking the memories on my phone on Facebook, and it's lit up with the oh, go Browns, go Browns! I bet you didn't see that coming, and I'm sure Schrody, who's a Titans fan, was just loving it. Man, I'm so glad the season's so I think the Bengals are better than people are giving them credit for. As much as I bash them, I still think they're better than that. I don't want to hear that, oh, they're only going to win three to four games. If they do, they underachieved, bottom line. So the Browns, they also have the Browns going 7-9, and nine, where you have them going 12-4. and 12-4. and four. Where's the disconnect? If the Browns, like, here's the deal. The Browns concern me because if you can't win with that, like, and that offensive line's legit. That offensive line's legit. And you have two of the best running backs in the National Football League. You have one of the top tight ends in the National Football League. When OBJ is healthy and not doing his weird thing, he's one of the top receivers in football. Jarvis Landry, in my opinion, Kev, correct me if I'm wrong, who's the best number two wide receiver in football? I would argue Jarvis Landry. He was a top ten receiver last year in yardage. And they had one of the worst offenses in the National Football League. They were literally, like I think, three or four from the bottom as far as total yardage and points and everything else. And he was a top ten receiver last year. So... To me, I think he's the best number two receiver in the National Football League. OBJ, top ten as far as number one. I'm dropping him back because I just need to see it. It's been a couple years since he's... Shut up, Kevin. Uh, (laughs) It's been a few. So my thinking is if you can't win with all that, you can't win at all. You can't win at all. Tom Brady left New England because they didn't provide him with weapons. Aaron Rodgers is ready to just do anything he can to get out of Green Bay because they won't provide him weapons. You provide your quarterback with weapons, you're expected to win. Drew Brees wins with weapons. All right, Tom Brady's going to be expected to win with weapons in Tampa. T- uh, Baker, if you want to prove that you were l- a legit number one overall pick, win with talent. Tom- he was legit his rookie year, Kev. Mm-hmm. He was legit. All right, he threw 29 touchdowns as a rookie. All right, that's legit. Last year, maybe that was legit too. I don't know. I have the Browns going 12-4. and four. The defense concerns me. Maybe that's where some of this is being put on as far as that's concerned. I think there are a lot of doubts about Baker Mayfield, like who he is. Is he more of rookie year or second year? I think the doubters out there believe he's more of what we saw last year. I think Stefanski is going to be the reason why that doesn't happen, though. I think that a lot is on the plate of Stefanski, and I think if he gets the job done in Cleveland with Baker, we talked about the contracts for Cleveland early. Every one of their top pieces offensively is laid in through 2023. Right. They're set up for the long haul to hit win, or they're set up for the long haul to have some great trade pieces, put it that way. Uh, real quick on the Steelers. They have them going 12-4? and four. They have them going 12-4. and four. Not, a, not a chance. And that's real not quick. Not a chance. Someone said, uh, Chris says, calm down, Kev. No way they go 12-4. and four. Uh, Yeah, not a chance. Chris, he's good. Yeah. <laughs> not a chance. Not a chance. The maximum win for the Steelers this upcoming season is 10 games. They can win 10. That's the max. Um, I just don't see it. I mean, I just I see the Ravens obviously winning the division, and potentially the Steelers can get to ten wins. And if they get to ten wins, they can get the wild card spot. There's no way they win twelve games. If they, I want them to win twelve games, I'm all for it. But I just I just don't see it. ESPN, again, for those uh, just tuning in, simulated the entire 2020 season. We took a look at the NFC uh, NFC standings. Now we're taking a look at the AFC standings. And, uh, of course, we started in the north. The Ravens, 12-4, and four, no surprise there. You have your reigning MVP quarterback in Lamar Jackson. No one's doubting the Ravens and what they can do during the regular season. It's Their narrative is going to be what they do come playoff time. The Steelers at 12-4 and four is a surprise. Uh, but the Bengals going 7-9, I don't know what's more surprising 
The Browns going seven. It's actually, no one's going to find that outside of Browns country. Surprising <laughs> that they go seven and nine. Bengals seven and nine. That's a good year. That's a, there's a lot of buzz and excitement for Joe Burrow uh, as far as that goes. Tyler Schrody again, uh, going back to the Titans fan. He says the uh, only chance that the Browns go 12 and four is that 12 teams have to forfeit because of COVID. <laughs> okay, Schrody, I'll tell you what. Baker is going to have a better year than Ryan Tannehill. Uh oh. He's going to have more yards. Better completion percentage, way more interceptions probably, but he will have more touchdowns as well. More touchdowns, yards, completions. There you go. Baker Mayfield will have a better year than your Titans, Ryan Tanhill. So there you go, as far as that's concerned. So, Kev, I know you won't take that bet. All right, let's close it out. Let's continue to look around the AFC. Let's go over to the AFC East, another interesting division, although it's kind of bad, actually. The Dolphins, they have them finishing 4-12. and uh, we'll start at the top. I'm sorry. The Bills, 11-5. and five. They have the Bills winning that division and yeah. making the playoffs. And they have the Bills as the only team oh. in the AFC East making the playoffs. They have the Patriots going 5-11, and 11, not making the playoffs. And I don't know why that's surprising to people. That's not a good team. Sonny Michelle last year, very good running back, didn't even rush for 1,000 yards. Uh, you bring in Cam Newton. I'm not sure why you brought in Cam Newton because it totally looks like to me that they are positioning the Patriots to improve their draft positioning to potentially land a Justin Fields or a Trevor Lawrence, assuming that Justin Fields isn't playing football around the draft, you know, when the Big Ten finally kicks off their season. Um, you know what I mean? Like, interesting, though, they have the Jets at 5-11. and 11. The Jets and in, in Sam Darnold are more of a disappointment than the Browns and Baker Mayfield because Sam Darnold was the guy coming out of that draft. Have they surrounded him as much talent as the Browns? That's why they are more embarrassing than the Browns. Oh, you mean, okay, okay, I got you, I got you, I got you, I got you, I got you. The Jets, to be fair, went out and got Le'Veon Bell, okay? I I get that, I'll give them credit, but that's a bad organization. Like, the Browns are bad, but you know what? At least they're going down swinging. The Jets, what are they doing? They're blindfolded swinging at a piñata that's not even there. I mean, it doesn't even make sense. But yeah, the Jets 5-11, the Patriots 5-11, the Dolphins 4-12, and I was wrong. And by the way, the Dolphins are the stupidest organization in the world. How do you not start to attack of <laughs> I told you that's what they were going to do, man. Like, I, I'm not saying they're right or wrong. I just knew that's what they were going to do. I just knew it. I didn't knew because, I mean, that's what they do. That's what the Dolphins do. That's what the Browns do when they had Tyrod Taylor and Baker Mayfield. Of course they were going to start Tyrod Taylor. And, of course, the Dolphins were going to start uh, Fitz, Fitz Magic over their number one pick, Tua. Because that's what they do. That's what these type of organizations do. But those days are over. Like, Because here's the deal. Everyone does this, though. And the narrative is crap. And I agree with you. That's what people want to do. But no one's patient enough to see it through anymore. Hope it hurt. It did. <laughs> it did. My knee. Ow. So, so there's this narrative in the National Football League that... We're going to be patient with our rookie quarterback. We're going to groom him. We're going to draft him. We're going to let him sit. We're going to let him learn. And that sounds great. The Browns tried preaching that. They got Tyrod Taylor. Now, they got Tyrod Taylor before they really knew what they were going to do with that number one overall pick. Um, I was screaming. You know, many people thought, oh, you got Tyrod Taylor. Get Saquon Barkley and kind of go from there during that time. I remember that being one of the, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, favorites. Because no one was sold on Baker, and I wasn't really sold on – you know, Sam Darnold as far as that's concerned. But there's this narrative in the National Football League that you draft your quarterback and you get a veteran quarterback and you sit that and you sit that rookie quarterback behind the veteran. And then what happens is this. 
the team that drafts the rookie quarterback, okay, the team that has the really good rookie quarterback always benches them to start the season. They start their veteran quarterback, but then all of a sudden they start losing games as if they anticipated to win games. There's a reason that they drafted as high as they did. The reason the Dolphins had a chance to get to a tag of our lowest is because they were bad. The reason that the Browns got Baker Mayfield is because they were bad. The reason that the Bengals got, obviously, Joe Burrow is because they were bad. But if the Bengals tried to pull this crap where they would have kept Andy Dalton and they were going to start Andy Dalton over Joe Burrow, the city would have rioted. The city would have gone nuts. The city would have been furious. Okay? And rightfully so. Because the buzz and excitement when you draft a rookie quarterback, it's supposed to be that they are there to take you to that next level. And that's what happens. So that's what happened to the Browns. Tyrod Taylor and the offense looked horrible uh, in the early going, which is why Baker Mayfield had to come in to save the day in week two or week three against the Jets and ultimately goes on to set the NFL season, NFL rookie passing touchdown record in 2020, or 2018. Yep. So with all of that being said, when you look at the landscape of the National Football League, two attack of Iloa should not be sitting behind Fitzpatrick. Fitzpatrick serves what as what? Every doctor has said that Tua is healthy. Every doctor has said he's healthy. Every scout, everybody has come out and said that, hey, Tua has looked great in camp. And then he gets rewarded for it by being benched early on. No. The, the Dolphins messed this one up. They messed it up big time. He should be starting. The Chargers did the same exact thing. They drafted Justin Herbert, and they are not, you know, ironically enough, they're playing Tyrod Taylor. The Chargers are going to learn the same way the Browns learn. Hey, we could try to do this thing where we're going to be a great organization. We're going to go ahead and we're going to start our veteran quarterback and we're going to let our rookie quarterback learn. It doesn't work that way. The Chargers, the Browns tried it with Tyrod Taylor. It didn't work. Now the Chargers are doing it with Tyrod Taylor and Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert will be the starter by week three. Tua will be the starter by week three. It's a waste of everyone's time. This Fitzpatrick thing. I like Fitzpatrick, by the way, but give me a break. Tua should be the starter. It's a waste of everyone's time. So there you go. By the way, uh, Chris Harold says uh, they started, the, the Bengals started Kitna an entire season over Palmer, and that worked out real well. Chris, excuse me if I'm not willing to follow the Bengals model for anything. I know the people don't follow the Browns model, but I'm definitely not going to follow the Bengals model as far as that's concerned. Ron goes on to say, until further notice, they still are the Cleveland Browns. And Matthew Gaines, Kev says, if Mayfield can't get it done this year, do they go after Aaron Rodgers? That's kind of what we talked about earlier. Yeah, I mean, it's, that's what you talked about. That's what your your big plan is, just in case. It wasn't case. a plan. It wasn't a plan. You <laughs> Backup plan. You don't plan to go get Aaron Rodgers, but here's the deal. The what Browns, is plan? The Browns would be in a position to where they could at least make an enticing offer to Aaron Rodgers and say, hey, look at all the weapons we have. Oh, that would never happen. No one thought Tom Brady would go to the Buccaneers, and that's a bad organization, too. But he didn't go to a good organization. He went to a good situation. Right. The Browns don't need to be a good organization to land a top quarterback in free agency. If that if it comes down to it, it's going to come down to the situation, not the organization. Because Aaron Rodgers isn't looking to get married. He's looking for a couple one-night stands, and then he's going to be out. Tom Brady's not looking to marry the Buccaneers. He's looking to get lucky a few times, and then he's going to bounce. Yeah. That's basically what it comes trying down to. Trying to pull a Peyton Manning, trying to get him another championship and ride off into the sunset. Yep. Now, hopefully, Aaron Rodgers doesn't go to the Browns. No OBJ and get crapped on. That, that's, <laughs> we'll be back in a moment. More of the Justin Kinder Show with Kev Nash next. That was good.
man, you could tell that the NFL season kicks off this week because we just did three straight hours of nothing but NFL talk. We sprinkled in a tad of, uh, you know, some college football here and there, but it ultimately came back. I'm excited. This is going to be a fun season one way or another. I just had to admit uh, my... My little bit of likeness for the Bengals. I, I don't like that. I, I just I like Joe Burrow. It's gonna be tough to root against him, uh, but there will definitely be two weekends a, a year where I really root against him and won't even feel bad about it. Not even a little bit. So there is that. But the Browns and Bengals play early. They play here in a few weeks. Like that matchup, we get to root two, right? Yeah, I think it's week two or week three. I don't have the schedule in front of me, but I think it's like the seventeenth or eight. Yeah. So I mean, it, it's early. It's right off the bat. Boom. I mean, and that's you know what I mean. Like that's what I like about that is because like uh, last year. The Browns and Bengals played twice, but they played in the back half of the season. Mm-hmm. By that point, everyone's either out of the playoff picture, everyone's you know banged up, injured. The Bengals are in full tank mode by that point. Um, so, yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> Reggie just says, uh, the Browns' savior is coming. Justin Kenner, if you're still doing the Sunday tailgate, I'm coming. Go Browns. Uh, we'll have an update as far as what we're doing for NFL stuff coming up here in the coming days. So just keep that in mind. But Reggie, go Browns. I miss hearing the go Browns from our guy Reggie as far as that's concerned. Real quick, as we close out the show, Kev, let's take finish looking at the AFC final standings. ESPN's generated standings. So the Bills win the East, as we talked about. The South, the Texans, they just gave all that money to Deshaun Watson. Well, it might, it's going to be a... The payoff is going to be worth it. The Texans win the division at nine and seven. The Colts with Philip Rivers and Mac, and you know Mac at the running game. You know with the running game, dude, eight and eight. There's they're in the playoffs. Mm. Eight and eight. The Jaguars finish three and thirteen, and they clinch the number one overall draft pick. Man, they even go as far as to do that. Hey, <laughs> by the way, Schrody, the one of the bigger surprises, the Titans. The ESPN simulator has the Titans going eight and eight and not making the playoffs. Wow. Not making the playoffs. That's how big a deal the Colts getting Phillip Rivers is, apparently, because that gives them the nod. Don't believe it. I believe I believe the Col- I Phillip Rivers and the Colts would be good. That offensive line, I'm not sold on the Titans quarterback. I'm just not. I'm not. I don't care. I'll argue with Shorty forever. I'm not sold on the Titans quarterback. Phillip Rivers has another year or two of high-quality football left. I, playing indoors, I think that's going to go a long way. But I'm not going to make excuses. He's been playing in San Diego on West Coast. <laughs> it's not like he's been in the, in the bad weather. And we close it out with this. The West, the AFC West, the Chiefs will go 11-5 and according to the ESPN simulator. They will win the division. No surprise there. The Titans will miss the playoffs out of the AFC South. But the Chargers, led behind Tyrod Taylor T-Mobile. or Justin Herbert, will make the playoffs at 8-8. Eight and eight. The Broncos will go 8-8. Eight and eight, And the Raiders will go 5-11. and 11. Man, we got to dissect that a little bit more tomorrow. I don't see how the Chargers make the playoffs at 8-8. Eight and eight, And the Titans don't. But again, it's all about the division champs, the wild card, all that. I don't know. I don't know. going to be interesting. This was fun. We're glad to be back. Again, I hope everyone enjoyed the Labor Day yesterday, and we'll be back at it again tomorrow from 3 to 6. Listen, stream, watch, follow the Justin Kinner Show on Facebook, and tune into the show every day live from 3 to 6. Thank you, everybody. Have a great night. We'll send you out with a little Reggie on Facebook. Go Browns. Take care, everybody.